Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, amateur radio call sign KI6NAZ. And I'm Leah, KN6NWZ. We're back for more Ham Radio and lots of other things. So let's get started, shall we? Hello, Leah. How are you this week? I am getting ready for Chinese New Year. Yeah. Chinese New Year is, it's always kind of fun. You know, I grew up. You're not just, even going to be here. No, I know. But I, I grew up with holidays being on very specific days. Yeah. They didn't move. It was always the same day. That's it was all Gregorian it. calendar. All Gregorian What calendar. you're saying is not true. What do you mean? Thanksgiving moves. Easter moves. What? Well, yeah. I mean, Easter was not that big a deal. I mean, we, we you know, did Easter egg hunts and stuff like that. But isn't Thanksgiving like always on the third Sunday? It's on or Thursday. Thursday, <laughs> Thursday, Thursday. It's always on the third Thursday, isn't it? But that moves. The date moves. Yeah, but it's always the third week. Oh, you're saying because Chinese New Year shifts. Chinese New Year can be in a completely different month, dog. Yeah, it's in <laughs> February this month. Yeah, this year yeah. it's in February. Sometimes it's in January. It's like, okay, cool. Uh, anyway, this year is the year of the dragon, which uh, we don't have any dragons Right? I'm sure we do. Well, I mean, not in our family. My family's so big. No, but you are a monkey. Edison's a monkey. Ben's a snake. And I'm a dog. Yeah. And You dog, you. You dog, you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're in uh, full tilt. And I'm obviously getting ready for hamication next week. That's where I will be during... Maybe I'll hand out Lacey. That's where people go to Orlando and then don't go to amusement parks. Maybe I'll take a couple of my stickers and put them in Lacey. You can't do that. Well, oh, it has to be money. Yeah. Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, is there at mm -hmm. Hamcation a ham radio roller coaster where you ride the frequencies? <laughs> you know wow. I mean? <laughs> Just seems like it's a lost opportunity. <laughs> okay. Well, there, there you go. Make it really family friendly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that's what ham radio is missing. An amusement park? Well, no, just something more kid friendly to get families. Le because think about it. I'm trying. I you, I'm trying. Okay. So you have a convention. <laughs> yes. Right. You have a convention. Many, many places. Uh huh. And how many people bring their whole families out? A small percentage. Very few. Yeah, very few. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if it became family friendly, then kids would be. Up and they're like, oh, look at the what are these? This is so fun. Look at how fun ham radio can be. I think that when you go to a ham fest as a child, it's kind of like your little mermaid in like where she's discovering all the who's a what's it's. You know, the, the, the trash that falls down. Like kids could go hog wild. Some kids would be like, What is all this stuff? This is amazing. Like some kids, not all kids, sure, but I don't know, Leah. I don't know. You're gonna have to workshop that one a little bit, I think. I don't think so. Like you no. set up, you set up a bunch of Cub Scout booths. Well, I mean, okay. and Scout booths, mm -hmm. right? Oh, by the way, Huntsville has a whole area for kids. It's devoted to STEM. Like they have robots and <gasps> all. Yeah, there's a. Ton. Why you no tell me this? I have. I've told you this You've so many never times. Never told <laughs> me this before. I told you in my life. Brand you, new information is like never been done before. The kids, and you just <laughs> ignore all of it. I'm like, we've got. The aero the aerospace center, right? We've got space camp. You have the the literal STEM area for kids where they do little projects and stuff. At it's the huge. fest? 
At the fest, yeah, it's right there. I don't think you've ever told right me this. Oh before. my gosh, I'm yeah. Okay. I can't believe you've been keeping. We have this to get the episode me. started because I'm gonna get <laughs> upsetty right now. <laughs> Guys, great news. We mentioned it last week. This episode is also sponsored by Alpha Antenna, and we are honored to have them supporting the show. And as a thank you to everybody for listening, Alpha Antenna is doing a giveaway. Yes. Alpha Antenna is doing a giveaway of the mast mounted 2 to 40 meter plus 220 and 440 megahertz HF, VHF, UHF Hextenna. Yeah. So the Hextenna is both or simultaneously. Nope. Take that back. The Hextenna can be a dipole or a vertical antenna. So you adjust the whips to get the perfect resonance of whatever frequency you're looking for or band. And that's what allows it to go so high into UHF, ultra high frequency, and then all the way down to 40 meters. So in one kit, one bag that you can pretty much take everywhere, Poda people, this is, you know, we're talking to you. You can have pretty much anything you need at a moment's notice. And because these are adjusted for the frequency you're going to operate on, there's no balance or transformers or anything like that that you need in addition to just your coax, your radio, and this great antenna to get on the air. We'll have a link in the show notes that will take you to alphaantenna.com so you can check it out. And when you get to the Hextenna page, make sure you click on the click here for the reviews. It's right at the top, and you'll see some cool action shots, as action as they can be of a static shot of an antenna but in some beautiful landscapes the deserts in front of snow or in the snow and just all together having a great time out in the field for instance uh, let's read one of those reviews right now i you know the hextenna mm -hmm. has been repeatedly referenced as the best poda antenna Really? Where yeah. did you read that? M multiple people have oh, said nice. it. It's also uh, reviewed on eHams as well that you can look up. But my Alpha Hextena has traveled with me across the states, making over 10,000 POTA contacts, 119 activations at 48 different parks. It's easy to set up and tune and remain stable even in strong winds, rain or snow, and I have activated in all of these conditions. I've made DX contacts to Europe, South America, Alaska, and the Great... Oh, sorry. I added great. Uh, and the West Coast of the U.S. Wow. <laughs> That's great. What a Californian. What a Californian. <laughs> All from my home state of Pennsylvania. So that's uh, that's fantastic. My antenna is currently close to three years old and the radiating elements still slide well and remain where you want them. While working on rapid deployment activations, the antenna can be set up and taken down in five minutes or less. While activating, if I am not getting many contacts, I know it has to be the band conditions and not the antenna. So there you go. Some some kind words for uh, what sounds like a fantastic antenna that I will be testing in the future. I'm very excited to be able to do that. But Leia, why don't you tell everybody how they can get in on this contest action? If you head over to our show notes, there is a link to the Alpha Antenna Hextenna giveaway. If you go into that link, mm -hmm. you will enter your email, your name, your address where uh, you want it shipped if you win. And you have to listen to one of the podcasts that we have released between mm -hmm. January 26th and February 15th of 2024. Okay. The the 
period for the giveaway is uh, from January 26, 2024 to February 15th at 5 p.m. You will need to listen for the listener drawing secret word. Yeah, every episode we're going to have a secret word. I won't tell you what last week's was, but it was related to the movie we reviewed, The Birds. So if you go back and keep an ear out for some bird-related words, you'll know because we'll say, hey, guys, it's time for the secret word. So thanks again to Alpha Antenna. We really appreciate the support, and we hope you check them out. Leah, would you like to take a test? This part of the podcast always comes up so fast. It's your favorite part. My, my iPad knows what's happening, though, mm-hmm. because it goes... Do you want to open this app? This is what you normally do at this time and date. Did it really? Yeah, it, it suggests like you want to open this. Wow. You want it, and it literally says based on like time. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it did that. That's pretty cool. You know, people worry about technology spying on us, mm-hmm. but. That's how you get more convenience. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the you want your, your technology to be real convenient and nice. Well, you're going to have to let it spy on you guys. That's do, you, just how that works. do you remember when Target was under fire because it started sending uh, baby related coupons, like pregnancy related coupons to women before they even knew they were pregnant? And no. it was because oh, yeah. they had dialed in the markers of what changed in their buying behavior that's wild and so they knew in many instances before the women knew Mm -hmm. right and people got so outraged by this and i think about that every time i enter my phone number in Mm -hmm. at the checkout that's funny because i want target to know exactly what i am buying right one, so that it's easy to access the receipts. Right. You, if you uh, like, if you buy online, you can look up your receipts pretty easily. Mm-hmm. The only way you have that ability when you buy in store is by entering your phone number, mm-hmm. and then it shows up in your order history, right? But also, I want Target to tell me things that I don't know about myself <laughs> through your buying habits. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that remind that, that is closest to that that I remember is that time that Apple had the audacity of loading a YouTube album for free on people's phones and they flipped out. What? Yeah, like there was, I don't remember what phone it was or maybe it was an iPod or something, but like it came preloaded with this YouTube album or YouTube album and people lost their ever-loving mind. How dare you the subject aud- me to you, <laughs> you to the audacity of you giving me free content. I will not listen to Bono <laughs> or The Edge. Did they know that they don't have to play the album. Two people were so mad. <laughs> so mad. It was so hilarious. But anyway, Leia, it is time for you to, you know, belly up to the ham radio bar and take your practice exam or your continuing studying of the general question pool. I am on cell element G3, just mm-hmm. speeding along. Just moving. <laughs> yes. I have apparently seen 32% already wow. of sub-element G3. So this must be a very short sub-element. Probably, yeah. And I didn't realize that the sub-elements had different percentages of questions. I just thought it was equally spaced. Not at among. all. And this makes me they feel be better. vastly different inside because i have to assume things that are highly technical mm-hmm. that there are less of them <laughs> that's that's my guess they're saving all of it for extra 
<laughs> Not exactly. Uh, I guess we'll find out yeah, in future sub elements. Just keep. Going. Yeah. Wait. How many other sub elements are there? Oh my God! There's like ten. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my! I have seven more to go. Yeah. That's all right. Well, we should get to it then. I guess so. What does the A index measure? A, the solar radio flux at Boulder, Colorado. B, the amount of polarization of the sun's electric field. C, the relative position of sunspots on the surface of the sun. Or D, the long-term stability of the Earth's geomagnetic field. <coughs> the answer is D. I've seen this question before, and I have to emphasize how hot this tip is. Mm -hmm. There's two indexes that it has asked about. Mm-hmm. Both are about Earth's geomagnetic field. Okay. The first one, which would be A, okay. is long-term. Okay. The other question you're going to receive is K index, mm -hmm. that is short-term. Short-term, yes. Yeah. So just think about that. People who stick with it for the long-term usually get an A. That's... <laughs> A is the long-term? Yep. Okay. That's okay. your pneumatic devices. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How is long distance radio communication usually affected by the charged particles that reach Earth from solar coronal holes? Mm. I just can. I need Tamitha script no, I was for thinking, this. Yeah, Tamitha, <laughs> take this part of the test for you. A VHF UHF ducting is disturbed. B VHF UHF ducting is improved. C HF communication is disturbed. Or D, HF communication is improved. The answer is C, HF communication is disturbed. And I got that one right, too. Oh, okay. very good. Very good. Yeah. Thank you, Tamitha Scove. Mm -hmm. Dr. Scove. What is the solar flux index? A, another name for the American sunspot number. B, the measure of the highest frequency that is useful for the ionospheric propagation between two points on Earth. C, a account of sunspots that is adjusted for solar emissions or d a measure of solar radiation with a wavelength of 10.7 centimeters it is d yeah a measure of solar radiation with a wavelength of 10.7 centimeters and i got that right too mm -hmm. very good you remember i think i've seen week. this yeah it was last week yeah exactly what is a characteristic of sky wave signals arriving at your location by both short path and long path propagation? Oh. A, a slightly delayed echo might be heard. B, the signal might be canceled, causing severe attenuation. C, periodic fading approximately every 10 seconds. Or D, signal strength increased by 3 dB. This is one of my favorite questions. Uh, a slightly delayed echo may might be heard, and I got that right. That is literally your RF made it all the way around the Earth, and you get to hear it come back into your antenna I'm and you hear yourself. I'm hearing myself back. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's I made wild. a contact with myself. Yeah. Yeah. What is that song? When I think about you. <laughs> you do something to yourself, but it's not make it what. You make contact with yourself. <laughs> right? Oh, I see what you did there. Got it. <laughs> what factors affect the muff? Mm -hmm. A, path, distance, and location. B, time of day and season. C, solar radiation and ionospheric disturbances. Or D, all of these choices are correct. The answer is D, all of these choices are correct. Mm -hmm. Nailing it. You're doing is great. Is that five? Mm, I don't know. It feels like it. Feels but like we okay it's at least 
You're doing great, though. It's at least four. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I think it's four. At what point in the solar cycle does the 20-meter band usually support worldwide propagation during daylight hours? A, at the summer solstice. B, at any point. C, only at the minimum point. D, only at the maximum point. The answer is B, at any point. And I got that correct. Very good. Well, hey, Leah, you know how we like to kick off the podcast? Uh, with the ham radio minute. That's right. <laughs> and I said, it feels like this segment comes up way too fast. Yeah, you were right. Because <laughs> we totally skipped that. And let's just play it off like, hey, you know, it's, it's now time for the ham radio minute. I'm not taking the test again after this. <laughs> so today's ham radio minute comes directly from my experience with Winter Field Day. I am now keeping a note uh you know in your in your notes app on your phone for failures failure points when i go do portable activations mm, that's what i do at robotics <laughs> yeah, and actually i think that came from that i think the idea of doing that came from the notes i was taking at robotics uh last last weekend so i'm now just kind of making a note of like what date it was what the activation was and then like what i forgot or what i screwed up mm. on, so that i can reference back to it and don't sure do it I'm again ready. dummy yeah, so I can shame myself is the really is the big thing. But no, it's so that I can, you know, make sure that I double check and triple check those things that I have forgotten. For instance, I forgot my external battery that I was going to bring to the winter field day. And it was okay. Thank goodness there were other people oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was totally fine. <laughs> but if I was alone, it would have been pretty bad. I wouldn't have been able to activate for very long. I would have had to just, you know, pull So in your down. notes, did you Whatever. say always bring another ham <laughs> yeah always bring a more prepared ham so always have an atom yes right or in this case w6trw had multiple really uh you know well put together hams right now in the end it was fine because i still had a solar panel and a charge controller so i could just run the charge directly into the 705 and it was it was fine the 705 had plenty of battery anyway for the amount of time that i was there but it's something now that I'm adding to my list of things like, yeah, I should probably keep a little log of things that I forget to do or forget from my pack because then I can go back over it, you know, months, weeks later. And maybe there's a better approach. Maybe there's something I'm missing because because what I'm finding is I'm sometimes like forgetting a battery and stuff like that. And it's because I am charging it the night before. And just forget it and on I'm the charger. Forgetting it. I'm forgetting it on the charger. So I'm wondering if maybe the solution to this is that, like, I have a pouch on my bag that has the battery in it. The battery slides in the pouch, and I charge it in the bag. In the bag, and then that wow. way I'm just disconnecting because I'm not going to leave without my backpack. It's got everything in it, right? And then that should solve the problem. That's an amazing idea, right? So you know, simple little hacks like that that will come about if you take you know pretty good notes and try and remember where you fail because. Trust me, guys, if you do enough activations, you're going to fail. You just will. And if you like to play around with different radios and experience different things, you're like tripling your chances of failure because you're always swapping something out. You know what I mean? And that's where I always find myself is I've got something that I want, some new toy that I need to play with, and I forget some crucial element of it. But speaking of robotics. Speaking of robotics. On the recommendation of listeners. Mm-hmm who wrote in suggesting Vex IQ instead of first Lego league. Yes. Our kids have been in a, on a Vex IQ team mm -hmm. for months now yes. working on a robot. Mm -hmm. They went to their first competition. And I want to emphasize that before I tell you the results of said competition, 
It was an eye-opening experience. Yes. This is a very late-in-the-season competition for us to roll into. Yeah, we're, there's people who have been playing slash competing with each other. Right. They they know it. And I should have guessed when we were one of only two teams who rolled in with any parts. <laughs> like, we had our parts kits with us. We had like <laughs> toolboxes of parts. We right? had a full expectations of failures. And there were just people there with their robots and their matching t-shirts, which we also don't have. <laughs> right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh. And so uh, everything starts. And the way VexIQ works is you bring your robot. Everybody else brings their robots. And Feels like a good place to start. They pair you up with another team, not to go against each other, but to work together to clear a field. Yeah. This year's challenge is full volume. So they have to create a robot that uptakes various sizes of blocks and dumps them into three different containers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's a bonus for uh, keeping the colors separate. Yeah. There's three scoring boxes. There's the, three mm -hmm. types of blocks of different sizes and different yes. colors. So when we get our first matchup, and these are going fast. It's only a minute to clear the field. Minute with a, a driver change at the 30-second point. Yeah. And while we're still <laughs> we're just still getting acclimated, the, the other team goes, hey, do you want to get together so we can collaborate and run our route? Right. And we're like, what are you talking about? Run our route. They had, <laughs> there were teams that had the whole playing field set up outside. Yes. There were three different teams with three different playing fields, and they were meeting, they were tagging up with the people. Oh, there were more than three. Other teams had hidden their fields away in oh, different geez. areas. Okay. Right. And initially, when I came up, I was like, oh, how nice. They like set up fields for everybody to practice. No, no. No, no. Those teams they brought owned. their own fields. Yes. Okay. So. Uh, <laughs> Eye-opening. Uh, it was. And we get slaughtered. Yeah. For, uh, there, there's the, the, the first the first one out or the second one out, something goes wrong with the programming. Yeah. And it's just spinning. We can't control it. it needs so they to be just a hard turn it reset. off and just leave it there. Yeah. And then the other team basically has to clear it on their own. Right. Right. So. Throughout this, every time something goes wrong, mm -hmm. Ben is picking up the robot. He's not a driver. Ben he, said he doesn't he want to drive. He didn't want to drive yeah. because he thought that he could continue to fix the robot like if something went wrong, that he could be like pit crew and run mm -hmm. in and fix it. That's not how the rules work. Once the robot is on the field, the only person who can touch it are the drivers. Right. Well, the controls. You can't touch the robot. No, you can touch the robot, too. If there's something wrong, you can make a quick fix. Oh, you can? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Before okay. before it starts. Oh, yeah, but yeah, not yeah, yeah. after it starts. Right. Oh, okay. And so Ben would run in, grab the robot, make adjustments to whatever would improve it, and then in the next round, it got better and better. Yeah, right? so I don't know how many matches they ended up participating in, but in between every one of them, there was always these heated discussions with the kids and the advisor on like, well, how could they improve upon this to make it more effective at this, that, or the other? Right. And Ben was always like right in the middle of that. Like that was his jam. Yeah, he was just loves it. Yeah. Engineering, mechanic, you know, doing all the things. He was uh, absolutely engaged. Fantastic. Love yeah, it so much. Loved it. They placed last. Last place. 
of 20 teams. And then I and then I learned that it's actually an invitational that they didn't fill up all the spots for. So that's why we got a spot. We were a part of an invitational. <laughs> we were dragging down the curve. Yes. Oh, 100%. And then so so then the advisor basically tells us like it's it's really hard because there's not that many tournaments left in the season. Mm-hmm. And all of these teams are very well known from placing top of state and yeah. nationals. These are for, all top of state groups that we were invading with our bad news bears robot (laughs) and you could tell the organizers had such disdain for us like Uh, we were slowing everything down news bears we really were (laughs) the parents were pissed they're like oh this is a disaster like they were actually i have to say i was i was as uh, growing up there was always bad parents in organized sports oh absolutely that just have foul mouths and they're this is the only team openly, sport our kids do <laughs> they're like openly talking smack about the other kids the other teams and this was no different mm-hmm. replace a bat and a ball with a robot it was the same salty parents it was it was like you just can't get away from these people okay so you're very upset about this oh yeah and I'm then pissed. I went to go look up these teams after we got home. Yeah. Right. We don't. This is the only robotics program that does Vex IQ anywhere near us. And this right. is the first year. Yeah. She's. And though the advisor has done robotics, competitive robotics before, mm-hmm. she's never run a Vex IQ team. And she's a senior in high school. This is a high school kid that is running a Vex IQ team out of kind of a shared use space. Yes, it's for called, young engineers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And keep in mind that to join this team, it was only $250 per kid for the entire season. The entire season. And there was an expectation that if there were more costs, we would put more in. We we literally were okay with that. Right. Right? Yeah. I look up these other teams. So the, there was a number one and like a number three in the state, right? The teams that were there. And then a myriad of other very competitive teams. Of the of the teams that were there, five of them are top in state. Yeah, yeah. So, what did you learn, Leah, about how you how, how you get to join their team? So there are programs, straight tutoring programs, mm-hmm. that this is their bread and butter. It is eight hundred dollars a month per mm-hmm. kid mm-hmm. with a, com- a a season commitment of ten months, eight thousand dollars a year to participate in a plastic robotics competition. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh, uh, they've been working at it for three times as long as we have, first of all. Well, you sure. Right. But also there is. So one of the things we noticed were that the robots had parts on them that we didn't have access to in our build. Oh, kit. yeah. They had they had parts that I'm looking at. and I'm like, why don't we have that? And it turns out that they're just buying whatever they need. Either they're buying it or they had it left over from previous VEX builds because right. they have been running their programs for so long. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I'm just at this point, like, the kids will finish the season. There's only one more competition. Yeah. But I just really, I want them to not be discouraged, <laughs> you know, because they are up against big money. Each one and this team that they're on is like seven kids, two of them technically underage because it's supposed to be a competition from eight to 14. Mm-hmm. But 
um, YEA did it based off of uh, grade. Uh. And both Edison and Remy are in the right grade right. to participate. Sure. You know, we but don't have to get into the. They are like mascots. Okay. They're not. <laughs> no, Remy drives. Only because everybody else was like, no, Ben was supposed to be the second driver. Okay. I, I am, I have so many, I'm so, so many mixed feelings about this because it's, it's crazy to think that when you put a bit of competition behind it, it turns into this big money thing. Like the advisors of these $8,000 a session club. All very they're well They're all paid. professionals. Yeah. They're all it's, professionals. It's what they do day in, day like, out. Like this is their, this is their job. Yes. And they're making some coin off of this yes. you could tell from these advisors that they were like they had designs all cooked up every one of these robots capitalized on all these niche like pocket points that you could pull out yes like there's this there's this uh spot in the map where it's barred off with a barricade yes and the really all the teams that are in the top five basically had the ability to get into that barricade system yank blocks out of it and then deposit them yes and they had the ability to separate scoring capabilities easily Mm -hmm. and then park it because parking also gets you points parking it correctly it was some of these kids uh, some of these teams were out here going okay run route 14b like what are you what are you talking about? Our kids were literally just out there <laughs> ramming things. <laughs> it was so bad. It was. It was so. It wild. was so. So on the note of keeping notes about failures, okay. Ben kept notes. I kept notes. I think you kept notes. I took pictures of all the robots yes. to steal their design because <laughs> it's like. It's not di- like for me, I could build these things. No problem. But it's that's not the point. Right. right. The kids are supposed to do that. Well, they have an interview portion, which is also worth points. And one of the questions that they ask is, uh, how did you come up with the design for your robot? And you're supposed to come up with some amazing story so that it sounds like an original mm-hmm. like thing. Well, I was struck by lightning. And, <laughs> and when I came to, I saw our robot and they wouldn't even let parents near the interview area so we're like we're like way behind we can't see anybody's face or anything Mm -hmm. like that but we can hear edison of course we can hear edison okay and to that question he goes youtube (laughs) (laughs) YouTube. you could hear it because he yelled it (laughs) screamed it we got our ideas from youtube (laughs) (laughs) but okay so about taking notes about failure Mm -hmm. right I was worried that they would feel really defeated. They would write up all of these things that they, they didn't weren't do at all. well. They were so excited they loved to it. implement new things. And I think that that is actually the spirit of ham radio. The, you go out and you have a bad activation and you're like, I'm taking all these notes about things that went wrong yeah. and I'm going to do it better next time. I was it's going to be great. I was very impressed by Ben because he was constantly thinking of how to improve. Yes. He wasn't even really watching the matches. Mm-hmm. He was kind of just like hearing what the drivers were saying went wrong. And then mm-hmm. he just went into like, let's figure it out. And he was coming up with these little, you know, different ways of putting the pieces on the robot to make it more effective. And it's like. That's on that, the fly. It, yeah, yeah, on the fly. That's really, really 
cool for a kid to be able to do that. Like just kind of be yeah. in that oh, problem so solving much dad mode. Dad pride coming. No, yeah, that was that was really cool. I was very proud yeah. of that. At that moment, got a little teary. It was like, "There's my boy." <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was really good. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can improve on that for the next one. So have a couple of weeks. Got to get on it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Into the unknown I will go, for I shall fear no man or beast. One foot after the other, for I am prepared to survive. I'm not allergic to bees. Love it. It's the best. It's nice. So serious. So disarming. The internet is a Twitter. Oh, it's which it's an x no it's a twitter oh sorry which is the reason why x is such a stupid name yes okay <laughs> continuing <laughs> i don't even know how many days people think mm-hmm. that a major move by costco is a sign of costco knowing something i haven't heard this that this is all the rest of us don't. I was not a I'm not a part of the Twitter. Okay. I'm not okay. a Twitter about this. Yes. Well, it can't wait to hear this. Okay. I'm I'm sitting on the edge of my seat here. This is I like Waffle House emergency team responding to something that no one knows about. I don't really know why there's a recent like hubaloo about this other hullabaloo hullabaloo except for i think this was originally introduced in 2018 okay and then i think it went away for a while okay, now what, what it's is, back what is this what is okay? it? okay yeah costco is selling a six thousand dollar doomsday meal kit six thousand yes. dollars and i'm gonna tell you about it i cannot what is it just like this is 36,000 like, servings of food that can feed a family of four for a year. Now, this is a departure from their typical fare of here's a 30 day meal. Here's kit. a bucket. They're saying, you know what? Sounds like you need enough food for your whole family to hole up for a year. Is this all freeze dried food or is it like cans? It's all freeze dried food. Oh, it's like the Augustin Farms type food. It's... Like, how do you subsist off that much sodium? What? <laughs> so much sodium. It's, oh, it's from Nutristore originally. I'm, okay. I'm looking at a description of it when it was first launched in 2018. Mm-hmm. It offers 2,000 calories a day per person with a shelf wow. life up to 25 years wow. for the freeze-dried item. Okay. That averages out to 17 cents per portion. That's not bad. It has Elbro macaroni pasta, instant milk, dehydrated potatoes, beef and chicken TVP, freeze-dried green beans. What is TVP? Uh, it's like te- textured vegetable protein. Okay. TVP textured. is... Right. Well, I it's like a meat substitute. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like if you've ever had um, reconstituted vegetarian meat, it's kind of like that. <laughs> okay. 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 Great. All right. Uh, dehydrated apples, mysterious butter powder. Mysterious butter powder? That's yes. what it says? <laughs> well, the article calls it that. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's, they named it that? So... 
this is what's interesting. Okay. Costco includes shipping and handling in the $6,000 oh, price tag. That's nice. And will deliver it straight to your door. It's 1,800 packages. <gasps> straight to your door and, quote, packaged discreetly for privacy and shipping. Wow. So that people don't see that you're stocking up on preps. Right, 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 right. Right? And Costco has had emergency survival kits since like 2010. Mm -hmm. But apparently the the buyer interest in the doomsday package mm -hmm. back in 2018 spiked because of rising tensions between the U.S. and North Korea. Okay. So it's kind of back in the spotlight. Okay. And, well, yeah, sure. And I can only assume that, I mean, the New York Post is reporting that the Costco emergency food kit is sparking wild conspiracy theories. Okay. Right? It could just be that it's back in the spotlight because of what happened with Iran. Iran? Okay. Iran? Iran? Iran. Okay. Okay. There we go. That's the preparedness corner. I mean... There are people that are seriously worried we're rolling into, like, World War Three. Yes. With the whole Houthi thing attacking the— Where do you even put this much? <laughs> like... Everywhere, Leia. Everywhere. <laughs> You've turned—all the beds in the house are now— I was just thinking that. <laughs> like, new bed, new bed frame. I, I don't know. I mean, there's someone for, for whom this is a product, right? But remember, Costco, Costco are the same people that brought you the— legitimately Jack Daniels barrel. They they would sell you a barrel of Jack Daniels. What? And I don't mean like some kind of novelty barrel you could carry. No, it's a proper Jack Daniels barrel. You could just buy a barrel of Jack Daniels and they're like, here you go. Here's your barrel. Like that's a thing you could buy from, from uh, Costco. They've also had like big supplies of beer too, like canned beer that you can get. So they're not they're not new to this. Like they've done this before. That I don't think that that's them tipping the hat. I think that's them. I realizing, mean, six thousand. I mean, they've always sold emergency food, right? But the six thousand dollars worth of emergency food in one go. I mean, what if it's actually you'd be a fool what not if, to buy it at what, seventeen cents a serving? <laughs> what if it's about food insecurity? Uh, no, it's. It's literally I'm worried I'm not going to have food, so I'm going to spend six thousand dollars now and live. I'll never off have of, to worry. It's, yeah. They're really pitching it to the the Huel folks. <laughs> the Soylent, My sister did the Huel Soylent, for a while. The Soylent people, if you will. I'm no, not. I'm not against Huel actually. No, I'm not either. Like if you're I'm just not. if you don't have a family to cook for. Mm -hmm. And you're you're just you don't eat that much and you don't have a lot of time. You don't care about cooking. A Huel meal is fine. I, I have long time been a person that says and I'm guilty of this myself, that oftentimes Americans eat like we're celebrating all the time. Oh, yeah. Like if you look at other countries and not even third world countries and you look at what they eat on like a day to day, most of their food is is not bland, but it's. It's homely. It's it's easier. It's simpler. It's better for you. It's lower calorie and often um, less fat. And they ha they save up for like a celebratory meal. Mm 
Mm -hmm. something important. You know, there used to be Sunday dinner that the Americans used to do where that was like the big meal of the week. And then every other meal was just kind of a small thing. It was not a big deal with a lot of flair or whatnot. But then you factor in like the years and decades now of, of major restaurants increasing portion sizes and fast food companies that, you know, say what you will. I mean, oftentimes those things are calorie dense. I think the new stuff is by ReadyWise. I'm not sure. Oh, ReadyWise. Okay. Yeah. We've, we've tried their stuff before. Yeah. Not not horrible. my favorite. Not, not, no, not a favorite, but not as bad as some of the other ones we've had. But anyway, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not surprised by any of that. Are you surprised? I, I Right. I just thought surprised. it was interesting that it's back in the spotlight because it really made some waves back in 2018. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, if you'd like to study along with Leia, make <laughs> sure <laughs> people listening to this podcast are going to be very confused by the order. <laughs> you can go to the <laughs> to the links in the description. If you'd like to study along with Leia, the best thing we recommend is hamstudy.org. Wow. What a great tool. Fantastic. Mm. Gordon West test preps. Their test prep books are available on Amazon. We have links in the show notes and highly recommended the audiobooks fast track to your ham radio license. So you can just do all those things and you can get studying along with Leia while she's taking her practice exams or while you are putting away all this $6,000 worth of food that you bought. <laughs> As you figure out new and interesting places to hide the food, look you at could my be new studying. Lamp. <laughs> <Look at> my, <laughs> my new lamp. It's, it's, a, it's a food bucket. <laughs> the shade is an empty food bucket. So many ways to repurpose your house and, and turn it into just a, a real food treasure trove. But you can listen to audiobooks while doing all of that, and, and we highly recommend it. So join the conversation by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts for the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast and or emailing us at leah at hamtactical.com. Leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts will help the Ham Radio Crash Course reach more hams and the ham curious. And we appreciate it. We really do appreciate you going to Apple Podcasts and dropping a review. Speaking of reviews. Speaking of reviews, we have one from Tyleary Land. Best ham radio podcast on the internet. Thank you, Sorry, Leary Land. Correction, interwebs. Even better. Now, we are not the best reel-to-reel uh, -reel podcast that's not on the interwebs. Yes. And we are also <laughs> not the best podcast by mail podcast for ham radio. <laughs> there are other better podcasts that participate in that media format. But we'll take it for the best one on the interwebs. And they write... If you are looking for a podcast to learn about ham radio and have a good laugh, then look no further. I skim through many other podcasts on ham radio, but HRCC is on my always listen list. No matter the topic, the episodes are always fun and informative and have helped me learn more about amateur radio. Oh, Despite our glowing. best efforts, <laughs> he learned something about ham radio. I, I'm a happy... I'm a ham today because of HRCC, and I'm grateful for all that Josh and Leah do to support the hobby. Oh, thank you for listening and for all the kind words. And thank you. That's from Tyler, N4TLE. Thank you, so, Tyler. Very kind. Very kind words. So we appreciate you uh, doing that. And I think having totally screwed the order of this show, I believe that it is time. Hey, man! The meatloaf! We want it now! The meatloaf! <laughs> it's not a man purse. It's called a satchel. Indiana Jones wears one. Inconceivable!
And now, our feature presentation. Did you know that they had Ryan Reynolds and Fred Savage do a, a reboot of the bedroom scene from Princess Bride? No. It's very funny. Like he's Fred a, Savage as in it, like now. Yes, but he's still in bed like when he was a kid. With Columbo. No, that's Ryan Reynolds I know, now he's, as Deadpool. Oh, he's dressed up as Deadpool. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm like... <laughs> You, you kind of left out an important part. Yeah. Like, Ryan Reynolds could just do that, but it would be funny if it was Deadpool. Okay, yeah. so is that for the Deadpool 3 that's coming out? Or I don't know. How's, it didn't thing seem to promote anything. <laughs> you just did it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Leia, we watched another movie. I thoroughly enjoyed Twister. I think it's a good movie. It's a, it's a good movie. It's lots of fun. Regardless of all the scoring that we're going to put this movie through... It's just a fun movie. It's a good popcorn movie. If you got a good sound system, got a good TV, it's one that I think you can watch with the young ones. I don't think it's scary enough, particularly if you don't live in the Midwest. Uh, you should be fine. Like it's, it's yeah, fine. There's, I mean, maybe not watch it if you are in tornado country. Well, I I guess, but 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 that's going to dip into some of this preparedness stuff we have to talk sure. about. Sure, but the story is just dreadfully simple on Twister. It is about was it Bill Paxton, right? Goes it, back to see his ex-wife because he wants to. No, no, they're still married. Oh, he's right. going back with to his get a fiance. Divorce. So yes. he he ringed her up, and he's not even divorced from Helen Hunt. Yes, Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, and a melange of characters are storm chasers. And just so you know, it's quite apparent they're going to get back together. Spoiler. Just from the beginning. Yes, from the beginning. Just right on the sleeve with that one. Yeah. Yeah. So Bill Paxton, they have a long history, Helen Hunt, and all the characters. It's kind of like a fish, not fish out of water, but you, you almost see yourself as the, the, the new fiance mm -hmm. coming into the middle of a story, an ongoing saga that is unraveling around you mm -hmm. of people who've kind of been doing this. Like you believe them. Right. They come across as storm chasers. I'm not a storm chaser. I, I don't do anything like that. I'm not storm watch trained or anything like that. But you get the feeling that they are like. They are the serious. most extreme of meteorologists. <laughs> right. Right. So the, the big thing is obviously Bill Paxton is trying to get divorced from Helen Hunt so he can marry the new woman. That's the, the guise of the movie. That's what gets the whole thing started. Right. He's driving out to see her, blah, blah, blah. But then Helen Hunt introduces Bill Paxton to his Invention. dream product that he helped yeah. design, which is called Dorothy. And Dorothy is a electronic contrap contraption full of spherical sensors that the promise is when it gets into a tornado, the Dorothy opens up, the sensors distribute into the winds of the tornado, and then because of computers, they will be able to map and learn Lots of things about tornadoes. Now, <laughs> there is a... I have to, I have yeah. to make a note. It is from this movie mm -hmm. that I realized, or at least questioned, the idea that we don't know how tornadoes work. And so I looked it up, mm -hmm. and the first... The first question is from Noah. The first answer is from Noah's National Severe Storms Lab. Mm -hmm. The question reads, how do tornadoes form? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, the truth is that we don't fully understand. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, that is bad. <laughs> That's, I mean, 
I thought Bill Paxton fixed this before he passed away. Just not good. Not good stuff. Well, there is a competitor, right? Because you can't really have a movie if it was just if the antagonist was only a tornado, that would be a little weird, right? So the Princess Bride, Wesley, mm-hmm. the 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 Dread Pirate Roberts, is yes. the villain slash competitor in this war to be the first to map a tornado using their sensor tool, which is oddly enough a direct copy of Bill Paxton's design, but they're squares, they're cubes. Which doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Why would you want to get hit? Like on the off chance that some of the sensors get actually flung out of the tornado, why would you add pointy shrapnel? Well, you see, I wanted to give the tornado ammunition (laughs) to kill a guy. So there's there's some fun interactions between them. They obviously also have a history. I love movies where you as the audience are thrust into the movie and it's almost like you're just catching these people in a day in life adventure. Like they're not it's not a coming of age tale. It's not an introductory movie. It's just you get thrust into the middle of a bunch of nonsense and you have to figure out what's going on. The best example of this is is Buckaroo Banzai, no question. But this movie has a lot of that. And you are kind of like watching the fiance learn about these people. And, and it's your way of learning about them uh, through kind of her eyes and through the, the camera lens. It, it's it's a lot of fun. There, there's all kinds of interesting characters. You said uh, it was it Philip Seymour Hoffman was the other one. Yes. Who plays totally a different character than he normally plays. And he's great. He's really funny. Yeah. Did you know that this was actually directed by uh, Joss Whedon? No. Yes. So it actually, the I, making of this. Because of all the dialogue. Okay. The, the making of this movie is actually very complicated because Joss Whedon was brought in to rewrite the script. Makes sense. That's what he does. Then he got bronchitis. <laughs> and then somebody else had to come in and work on the revisions. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we came back and worked on the revisions. He revised the revisions. And then he left the project after he got married. So then they bring in a third guy. Oh, my gosh. To work on the script. And I, I shouldn't say that. OK, so it's Joss Whedon. Then Stephen Zalian steps in during the bronchitis thing. Jeff Nathanson comes in. And when Jeff Joss Nathan's son Nathanson. That's a wild last name. It's it's Nathanson. He's best known for Rush Hour. Nice. And Catch Me If You Can. Uh, so. Based on a true life story, or I guess. I think that's mostly a made up scam, but whatever. So then he, he comes out to set. He works on the script until uh, principal photography ends. Wow. Okay. Right. So... It was originally supposed to film in different places, but then there was an insistence to actually film in in Oklahoma. Okay. But then the Oklahoma City bombing occurs in 1995, and then the filming is suspended so that the cast and crew can go work on relief efforts. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, so the, the cast and crew is working on relief efforts for Oklahoma? Yeah. Wow. Exactly. That's crazy. So, That's a, a wild story to get to to a movie that is. That but I have I'm surprised. You have more? There's more bad things that happen. Oh my goodness. Okay. okay. So Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt were temporarily blinded because they used super bright electronic lamps mm-hmm. to make the sky behind them look dark and stormy. Oh, that's how. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So Bill Paxton said they these lights sunburned their eyeballs. And when he got back to his room, he couldn't see. So then they added a plexiglass filter in front of the beams. They actors had to use eye drops and wear special sunglasses to recuperate. Right. Wow. Then do you remember that ditch they were in? Um, in er, in the early scene, like under the bridge. Yes. Yeah. So that was a very unsanitary ditch. <gasps> okay. And so during that scene, they needed hepatitis shots. <gasps> Yo, that's not good. So I mean, they are literally experiencing all kinds of emergencies <laughs> at this point, right? About a movie, a disaster movie. Yes, exactly. Funny. Uh, During one stunt, when Hunt opened the door of the vehicle speeding through the cornfield, she momentarily let go of the door and it struck her on the side of the head. Yeah, that uh, scene, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you have to push really hard to extricate yourself from a moving vehicle while it's going through corn. That's I was curious about that. That doesn't surprise me. Yes. So uh, those are just some of the issues. There was apparently also issues about people feeling that the director was completely out of control. Wow. He went into a fit of rage and knocked over a camera assistant who missed a cue. Wow. And then uh, the camera crew walked off set. Wow. Yeah. You know what's crazy is that they still were able to get what what I think is a pretty good movie still put together. It shows its age a little bit with the CG, but it's still good. So how would we go about rating this, like, Leia? So likelihood is our first review. Oh, five out of five. (laughs) Well, the likelihood in the sense that there are tornadoes, yes. Yeah. But the sensory bits. It was, it's the likelihood of the disaster, not not whether or not it's realistic. The disaster is highly likely. Okay, so five out of five. um, uh, An F5 tornado. Mm Mm-hmm. In the used to happen on average once a year. That's nuts. There hasn't been one in over a decade. That's weird. Okay. And uh, we were talking about it in the podcast, uh, the HRCC podcast channel, the Discord. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Shannon who said, "Yeah, that's what makes me nervous. It feels like we're overdue." So all across the country. Oh yeah, so it's everybody. Like yeah, it's we're just like earthquakes. Everybody, yeah. everybody is just gets increasingly more anxious it's, the farther out right, they've right. been from. It's been so long. We we might get an F six. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so five out of five for likelihood. Yeah, yes. I'm fine. I think somebody commented on the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. A likelihood of disaster: ten out of five. <laughs> Because it happens. It literally happens. And it's called Twister. You yeah. could not be more on the nose. So preparedness is next. So this would be the, the individual preparedness of the people in the movie. I just feel that they're not prepared. Not prepared. I mean, they're prepared to storm chase. But remember, they didn't have food. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? They're like, let's go to, to Aunt, whatever. Maze or Aunt Maze, yeah. something like that. And goes, well, food. They're hungry. Mm-hmm. So there's an important thing to understand. There are people that do storm chasing. That's mm-hmm. a thing. Mm-hmm. They generally don't try to get in the storm. They're, mm-hmm. they're there okay. to 
map the direction and intensity and pass on the information. Skywarn has a training program that you can do. And by the way, Skywarn training is open right now, guys. So we talked about it on Ham Nation this week, this episode that just passed. So, How apropos. Yeah, very apropos. So go back and look at that. I think I put the links in the video description. I got to make sure I do that because Amanda takes the time to grab the links. I got to make sure I do that. But yeah, Skywarn, you know that Skywarn training is recommended for everybody, not just those that are in tornado stricken areas because there are weather patterns that affect everyone e even california right now we're going through a major rainstorm and the, the hardest rain i have heard on our roof for a very very i don't remember the last time yeah just just happened and we don't even know how to deal with the rain the kids walked out of the house without waterproof shoes today no <laughs> rain boots no waterproof hiking boots they just wore their sneakers and i'm like you guys are gonna have wet feet all day yeah you realize that oh just avoid the puddles no you can't avoid the puddles you walk to school it's raining dog yeah you're like there are wet. multiple massive puddles on your way to school that you must cross right so yeah there's that so you think they weren't prepared because no. that's true they didn't have food um, I think that a lot of the movie is there are four Dorothys and a lot of the movie is all about getting Dorothy like in position. And oftentimes it's like Bill Pullman and Helen Hunt just doing a harebrained maneuver. Yeah. A dangerous harebrained maneuver to try and get this device available to the tornado. Right. That seems like the opposite of like what you should be doing, right? It seems like there's better yes. ways. Like, could they not have made a remote control device that would just drive it into the tornado? You know, like there's so many other things that comes many, to mind. Many, many things. But instead, they rely on Bill Paxton, who, for all they knew, was not going to be there. Right. <laughs> like, there's no expectation for the extreme. He just showed up. Yeah. And they were happy. Yeah. But they were like, but what were they, they going to do, do without him? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, the extreme. I mean, I guess there. they'd be like uh, the the antagonist, Wesley, mm -hmm. right? And depend on their computers, which for him never worked out. Bill well, was always was, right. <laughs> so that was the other joke is that they were joking that Wesley's going to wait. We're calling him Wesley. That's not his character name. We're just right. calling him because of Princess Bride. That he always would wait for Bill to make a decision. Right. And then they'd follow him. Yes, because he knew the weather. He could he he, he speaks picks up tornadoes. dirt. He picks up dirt and watches and it blow. Then, yeah, like and, he can sense and then the feels storms. it and then looks at the clouds and goes, "That's where we're going." <laughs> yeah, and we got to go now, right now. <laughs> like, so okay, what do you then? What do you rate it for preparedness? I mean, not and in every single one of those situations, mm -hmm. nothing that they needed in terms of like shelter or food or anything came from them. They ran to it. They sheltered under things and in right. things. But they basically went to Aunt May's. They went to uh, a diner. They dove in the oil pit, you know, the oil change pit. Yeah, at the drive-in theater, mm -hmm. right? And I, I just kind of feel like and they, they weren't even leaving Aunt May's house with food. She had to give them a bag of food, knowing that they didn't have any. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. So what is that? Uh, like that's a two? A, that's a one. A one? Okay. Okay. Not once did I see them drink water either. What, what, what? Like at the very minimum, don't you have a stockpile of water somewhere? I mean, they were very prepared for the storm aspect also, of the whole thing. Also, that... Um, that 
what is it? The uh, truck top trailer. What are those called? Camper shell. Yeah. So the camper oh, the shell. The, the, yeah. No, there's an RV, and then there's a camper <coughs> shell that's not even properly bolted down. No, you're talking about the RV camper that was on top of the truck. That yes. We, that was purposely loosened so that it would sway when they took wild turns. Come on, it wasn't even bolted down. You're chasing tornadoes. One of the guys is rolling around in a station wagon, and they're off roading through significant portions of this movie. Like they are taking dirt roads because yeah. they they have to cut through major roads to get to where the tornado's at so they're taking all these shortcuts like a rabbit is the guy's name that is the one that's good with maps and he's taking them down these perilous side roads to be able to get to the tornado and they're just a dude with a station wagon maybe not the best decision so that's also yeah. not very prepared yeah so wesley's crew all prepared they were driving in like suburbans they were all loaded out but that didn't help them in the end but they were the bad guys i get it i get it so realistic how realistic is this how realistic is the movie? I mean, well, the... that's our that's our scoring. We came up with this scoring thing. I think it's unrealistic to think that there were certain things where I was looking at it's like, what do people not understand how long it takes to craft things when they realize that the way that the sensors were going to need to be like outfitted mm-hmm. was with uh, pinwheels. Yeah, that came off of aluminum cans, and you're trying to tell me that from they're just the... driving. It, and they're they're, they're manufacturing while driving. And yeah. that thing was full of sensors. <laughs> I also so this is this could be my ignorance showing, but I don't believe tornadoes happen in the frequency that they had on display in the movie. So they they made it sound like this is some major storm and there was just tornado Many after tornado after the, tornado. I am not qualified to speak on tornadoes. And whether or not it is realistic. Uh, I All I know is that every tornado they interfaced with was a large, scary tornado. And the movie happens over, like, the course of a 24-hour period. I don't even know. Like, I think it's 24 hours. And there's a lot of freaking tornadoes, man. So I, I looked up how many tornadoes can happen at once. <laughs> okay. okay, that's kind of an odd way. Okay, that's fine. Subvortices usually occur in groups of two to five at once. Mm-hmm. The six or seven evident being uncommon. Okay. And they usually last less than a minute, which obviously in the movie, these tornadoes lasted more than a minute. I mean, one of them was actively hunting them down. Right. <laughs> one was trying to end them. Uh, tornado scientists now believe, and this is from Noah as well, uh, that most reports of several tornadoes at once and that's like from news accounts and early 20th century tornado tales were actually multi-vortex tornadoes. I mean, I get that. I guess what I'm saying is that like every one of these tornadoes is hyper huge and aggressive and destructive. And there's like just one after one after another after another throughout the entirety of the movie. Like, it's a never-ending amount of tornadoes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that just seems like the realism factor kind of goes out the door a little bit on that. Would you say this movie takes course over a day? It felt like two a day days? or two. At most say, two. Say three days. Right. The other thing that is, I feel, not very realistic is kind of, like, I get the idea of Dorothy and the whole sensor pack thing. Like, that, that okay, sure. But 
the fact that and this is we're we've already dipped into spoilers a little bit but this movie's been out for like ever so if you haven't seen it okay i'm sorry the fact that they didn't realize that like dorothy itself was too light and it would just be too easy to get knocked down before it got sucked up into the tornado and they'd have to bolt it down the fact that that didn't come to them is shocking to me the other fact that like they just thought that these sensors would get sucked up into the tornado without some kind of you know lifting system like a chute or a pinwheel or whatever and even then like i don't even know that the pinwheels are necessarily necessary the wesley group and being these like tiny cube sensor packs is also kind of weird again i'm i'm speaking from zero knowledge in this area but it all felt a little odd oh leia's got a shocked face okay so the most tornadoes in a single 24-hour period Mm mm-hmm in 2011, there was a super outbreak. Okay. So maybe that, okay. Okay. So this could be 360. Yeah. But of what sizes? 15 of them were F4 or higher. Oh, okay. All right. So that's possible then. In 1974, there was 148 that broke wow. out. 30 of them were F4 or higher. Wow. There was. A torno- uh, the tornado outbreak in 2023 was 147 wow. of them. One of them was an F4 or higher. Wow. Now, I mean, is that sticking to the idea that they stick around for like a minute? Or is this like in the movie where they're... Well, apparently the longest duration mm-hmm. of a tornado recorded was three and a half hours. <laughs> what? Okay. It- yeah. That's pretty wild. And it was the tri-state tornado that went through Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana. Wow. The single deadliest tornado in U.S. history had 695. Casualties? Yes. And that was 2014 in Pilger, Nebraska. It was an F4. Wow. That's crazy. And to think there aren't people that are trying to throw sensors into a tornado trying to figure this out. Uh, The deadliest tornado in world history was in Bangladesh in 1989, which killed 1,300 people. Wow. That's a lot of people. That is really devastating. People give us a hard time about earthquakes. (sighs) I mean, I, I think we can all acknowledge how completely devastating tornadoes are. Oh, yeah, they no are, question. They are the one of the only disasters that can literally pick things up, fling them around, them. and land them miles away. Yeah. Right? Now don't get me wrong, there's there's many deaths that happen due to earthquakes too. I'm not I'm not questioning that. So that's wild. So, so okay. if we're talking about realistic, now it becomes more realistic to that, me. That puts a little bit of... Well, what about the whole sensor thing? I mean, I'll knock a point off for the sensor thing. I also don't know anything about meteorology. But you, That is the movie magic that is happening. Yeah, yeah. It was very much movie magic. But you joked during the movie. They're like, well, what are they going to do with this data exactly? What? Like, we know it's blowing, the the wind is blowing, but what does the sensors give us? Because the mystery about tornadoes is, in fact, how they're formed. Okay. How do the sensors help 
scientists figure out how they're formed when they're already fully formed by the time you get the sensor in there. Right. The 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 guise of the movie is that they got to get the sensors in the tornado to help them increase the time of the early warning system. That was the big point of the movie is that that's the goal. How does this entire sensor situation help figure that out? It feels like when... that part of it is already yes, well the, the gone. part that needs to be studied is done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's confusing. Okay. So for realistic, I, I you know, you know, three, I think my, two? Uh, I, I think my whole thing about this is that I want to give more points to likelihood of disaster. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I, and I'm stuck on not ranking realistic much higher. Right. Because the tornado thing's so realistic. Sure. But everything else is a little little iffy. You're talking about the science. Which again, I don't think I'm qualified to say. Well, it's our that... it's our show. We can be wrong. Don't worry, people will tell us. <laughs> Meteorologist friends. Please let's let us know. Would the sensor thing work? Has it happened? And how has it increased early warning? Yeah. With that said, what do you what do you give for realism? You know, I also come back to that cow scene where it's like the cow is flying around. But then they're driving in a truck. Right. Cows are heavy. Yes. So I mean it's not truck heavy, but still. But tornadoes can in fact move cows. Oh yeah, they absolutely have. And and do. Yeah. Uh, oh, 3.5. 3.5. Okay. Higher you? than me. I, I was going three. Okay. So I, I'm just going to give it 3.5. Okay. Wow. Okay. Characters. I like the characters. Yeah. Characters are great. I liked every one of them. I've got nothing, even Wesley's, you know, the the bad guy, but it's like, you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, four? I put four. Okay. Plot. Uh, it's a real thin plot. It's a paper it's a thin real... plot. It's not terrible. No, it's, it's just it's it's super thin. Like you 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 see everything coming a mile away. They're like, yeah. Well, when we they four, went to we go see Aunt May, and I was yeah. like, oh, she she's gonna get destroyed in the tornado. <laughs> like literally, when you meet Helen Helen Hunt and you know they're still married, you're like, well, they're getting back together. Yes. Third wheel over here. She's done. Is, is her name Aunt May? I keep calling uh, her that, but everybody knows what you mean. When I saw her wind sculptures, I was like. The tornado's got to hit her house because everybody needs to see how the wind affects her sculptures. And it was the pivotal thing that led them to the solution to the Dorothy problem. They they tell you there's four Dorothys. There's Dorothy one, two, three, four, and you're yes. like, well, they're going to need every one of those exactly by the time we get through this movie. <laughs> like it's it's just it is point by point by point. It's tell. It's, Joss Whedon's like, I had to go get married, guys. Guys, <laughs> why do you make me write scripts when I'm wedding planning? <laughs> it's it's literally written on the back of like a Hilton napkin. Like the whole thing is just. The, it's just super level plot points that you just walk through. It's very straightforward, very formulaic. You you see every bit coming. Nothing is a surprise, but it's fun. It's a fun movie. So what do you give plot? I give I it two. two. Yeah. Good. All right. Uh, entertainment. Very four. entertaining. I, yeah, I give it four. four. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It's a good movie. Agreed. So that leaves Twister ranked at 19.5 out of 30. On the HRCC scale. Yes. It makes it 
our second highest rated movie. With 10 Cloverfield Lane being number one. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat Yeah, it's still, it's still recommended for a preparedness movie, disaster movie. It's, it's very, very good. Very tense. Very tense. Not for kids. Wouldn't, wouldn't have the kids there. But Twister, absolutely, I would have the kids watch it. We were actually, I was very bummed that we couldn't watch it with the kids because we ran out of time during the weekend. All our chances to watch movies with the kids is, is usually always weekend-based. We don't try and do a lot of TV stuff like during the week. And this was another one of those ones where you and I kind of had to watch it on a weekday. Yeah. So we're relatively fresh on after watching it. So, yeah, by and large, still pretty good. All right. So if you would like to suggest a movie, help choose the movie that mm. we watch as a part of the HRCC Movie Club, you can head over to that link in, uh, in, the in the show notes that goes to the poll. I want to remind everybody to please, 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 please read the what's already there. Yes, I the list is rapidly growing to the point where I think we might end up with more movies than we have weeks in the year. That's fine. Uh, and I guess, I guess people like it. That's pretty exciting. Oh, I'm yeah, I love it every week. I look forward to this. Remember that the movies that you're suggesting need to be disaster, apocalyptic, preparedness, or ham radio based. Oh, there was CB. CB is strongly featured in this movie. Oh, that's right. Lots of CB. Lots of CB. I also thought it was strange where in certain parts they were having conversations with each other over CB that they full well knew that Wesley was going to hear. That's right. There is a really bad radio scene in this movie. And then later, they end up talking directly to Wesley's team. So they know. They know oh, yeah. he can hear them. Everybody's just like all on the same frequency. Just listen. But to they are just openly talking about whatever plans they have when they don't actually want him tagging along. After right, right, right. Or the one where the, the, the new fiancé is listening to the CB just in, in just tangentially right just nobody's there. nobody's pressing down on the PTT. Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton are outside of the truck. Oh, just they're the not even, best mics on, on that CB radio. They're not even mic'd or Comes anything. through crystal clear. Crystal clear. Like, uh, like they were talking it's into like, a Joe, telephone you speaker. Even, Joe, you don't even see what's right in front of you. What are you trying to say, Bill? It's me, Joe. It's me. And and they're like 20 feet away from the truck. The doors are closed. Knock it down even farther like, for realism. Or <laughs> these... Is this radio set to Vox? <laughs> Voice operated? But even then, like, no, that's not going to work. It was, it was, that was, that was a little cheesy. That's not how radios work at all. So you vote. I vote. We watch. That's vote. how this works. And then we, we talk watch. about it. Yes, that's right. Last week, I thought another movie was going to come up. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere. Okay. Another movie. <laughs> I don't oh. even think it was in the top 10 last week. Oh. But it's in second place now, right under Twister. Uh-oh. It's called Threads. threads. Do you know do you know what Threads <gasps> is? Is it Threads? Is that the Oh, this is a dark movie. And I don't I it's uh Threads from 1984. This is the BBC movie, right? <gasps> this is a dark movie. You are... Okay, there is... Uh, I guess this isn't a movie. It's a series that's based off of this comic book that predicts how the world ends or something like that. Everybody's, like, really in search of this 
It's I don't think it's BBC, but it's British. No, it is BBC. This is a very dark movie. You have seen it? I have seen parts of this movie. Did you know it was shot on a $400,000 budget and was the first of its kind to depict a nuclear winter? Yeah, this is like after a bomb gets dropped. Yeah. This okay, is so a very dark movie. That's what we're watching. Wow. This week. This got mentioned in one of the after chats. I think that might be why. And then everybody piled in and was like, that's the one. That's because this came out of nowhere. Yeah, this this is a this will be a it, ride. Later. Like I I I want you to know that this surpassed I Am Legend and Frequency and Red Dawn. Yeah. This is going to be a wild one. Yeah. You better so. buckle up for this one, kid. Buckaroo Bonsai. Fantastic movie. Right. Not pre- not prepared. Well, I could, no, 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 that no. won't work. Shoot. No. All right. Well, Leia, now it's really up to you where we, this is a up to you where we go next kind of thing. How has your studying been after the podcast? Have you been studying every I've been day, so Leia? so busy. Have you been studying every day? I studied one day. <laughs> You did. I know I did. you did at least one day. Yes. And so that's where we're catching up. Did you study every day, though? Three times. So what does that mean for the CW Lounge? I didn't fulfill the terms of... You're dang right. <laughs> that's not it. It's a primitive form of communication. I double-clicked you know, Morse code. You're right. I'm on a lot of practice. Stop it. Stop what? You're talking about me in Morse code. What the hell is he saying? It seems they're getting a signal. Old Morse code. Boop, 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 boop. We got contact. We got contact. We're back. <laughs> All right, Leia. New characters. You're still on A. A. Yeah. What's that? S. M. U. Okay. Do it again. Is that supposed to be R? That's you? You. That's R? That's R. That's R. That's R. What else? I think we did them all. That's it, huh? That's all we've got. Oh, that's so rude. Wow. Okay. Leia, are you ready for... So, by the way, Leia is going to... Are we picking up a letter? No. Do you want to pick up a letter? Ooh, that's a good one. No. <laughs> that's a good letter to pick up, but... Okay. I haven't perfect copied yet, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. 20 words per minute. Leia is going to decode... A series of characters. They're in random order. They're not making words or anything like that. Are you ready, Leah? Hmm. Here we go. In three, two, one. <laughs> I missed a bunch of letters. Is it A? A. R? R. A. A. R. 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 A. Oh, I think that was just a typo. Okay. Then is it R again? That's R again. M. M. U. K. I I missed a bunch of letters there. There's a U-S-S-U somewhere. 
No. In there. No. There's wow. a U A S S U. Okay. So you're pretty close. That was pretty close, okay. actually. All right. Ready? Okay. Hold on. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Three, two, one. Okay. Okay. A. 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 K. K. S. S. M. A. I I missed a bunch of letters there, but I think there's an S K K S. There is a U K K S. Okay. At the end. There we go. And by a bunch of letters, you got an you got the A and the M. I think you might have. You're mostly there. But okay. All right. Great. I'll let you go easy. On thank you. Awesome. You've been such a good sport the rest of the. Uh, the thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. For your one day of training outside <laughs> of the podcast. See how much credit you got? Imagine if you pushed it to all the days. For my general? Mm-hmm. No, what? What? Are <laughs> <laughs> you just taking some red? No, I, I was taking my professional drone pilot's test, Josh. <laughs> what? <laughs> I do study every day, just not this. <laughs> That's right. So the show topic. All right. Today so today's is discussion for today is go on to the show. The, the, show topic the, the topic of today's show is gentlemen. Let's get down to business. So at least here in the HRCC homestead, uh, I've been talking a lot about the Kenwood, the new THD seventy-five that came out, and many of you have asked me, "What are Leia's thoughts?" The, the queen of radio reviews, <laughs> <laughs> Leia. Obviously, oh, it's here. <laughs> been sitting here the whole time. Well, hold on, hold on. Just oh, jump out geez. and bit me. Hold okay, on. Wait, sorry. I gotta, All I gotta, right. Gotta, well, put it in a hot is, box this or something. My, this is my. This is my show topic. Okay. okay. <laughs> okay. I am holding in my hand the Icom ID52, which Leia. That's has my said favorite. Is your favorite? So I'm I'm turning on the ID52. And I'm going to hand this off to Leia. She obviously is familiar with this uh, radio. A lovely radio with a big, bright screen. Oh, it's so easy to navigate, too. Well, we'll we'll get there. Okay. So uh, that is actually, I I didn't look up the price. I'm pretty sure that that runs for $650 now. And it's got a waterfall, you know? No, I was way wrong. I was way, way off. So I think that was the price when it came out. You can pick one of these up for $600, but I'm seeing them going for even less, uh, like on eBay. There's a number of cheaper options, it looks like, uh, than HRO has it for $600. Giga Parts also has it for $600. And I bet if you looked up DX Engineering, it's going to be the same $600. Well, you might, I might as well just click it and check. Yeah, same price. So the, the, I, the Kenwood came out. The Kenwood... THD 75 is the new upgrade to the THD 74. The D 74 was a radio that was discontinued a couple of years back, largely on largely on the heels of the coronavirus. Leah, what do you? Sorry. So easy to navigate. She doesn't even know how to turn the volume down. I can I can turn it down. Okay. That's very easy. But the waterfall is just such a nice feature because then you're just like scrolling to where there's something. That's right. So I just turned on the Kenwood D75 and let's see. Nope, don't want that. Okay. 
Here is the Kenwood D75 laugh. <coughs> That's APRS. Here you go. Hold on. What are you What are you listening to? I just found a a spike on the waterfall and I went there. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Can I figure out how to? Okay, I'm going to go to menu. Oh, that's not a bad menu. So that's APRS. I this is my first time seeing this radio. The ID52 I've actually used. Yeah. So you literally went into this blind. Yeah. I was by design. How? How do I do something that's not APRS? That's GPS. That's digital. Mm-hmm. Well, so FM. Compare and contrast for everybody listening. Um, the controls. Start with the controls. Like, what are what are the differences that you see as? I just don't know how to get anywhere on this. Okay. But I, I don't know that it's the radio's fault. You know. Right. Yeah. Because you're literally going into this blind, and you have literally no experience with most of these radios. Okay. I got into. I can scan. Mm. Go to seek. Okay. I don't. I don't know how to do any of this. Uh, well, why don't you give us some commentary on the differences or what your thoughts are on the screen and maybe the controls I mean, the screen, that are actually the screen available is, to you? The screen is smaller. I've got a TXRX option, then memory, then audio file. Something that says digital, uh, APRS, GPS. FM broadcasting, SD card, and then a configuration. So you're in the menu. Yeah. I I don't know how to get to radio operation. We'll take <laughs> okay. it out of the menu. Okay. Then I'm going to... It's... Okay, I... so this is this is pretty standard. It's already low on battery? Oh, I've been... This is about been, to die. I've been charging it and depleting it since I got it. I'm trying to put some battery cycles on it to condition the battery. Is there a way to turn on the waterfall? There is no waterfall. At least that I haven't found. That's APRS. So those are people that are beaconing APRS that that picks up. The ID52 does not do APRS. What have you done? I'm just I'm just Here, let me going through the channels. How do I set this up to like scan on something and stop on it? What's this? What just popped up? W-A-6-M-H-A. Something just popped up on the screen. Oh, that was the APRS beacon. Oh. So you have this in some kind of frequency thing. So I have put it into... See, yeah, that's those are beacons. Okay. That's, that's literally the packets that people are sending over their radio that we're picking up. Oh. Which tells us information about where their heading is, their location. You now have... I have it on memory channels now. So you're scrolling through the memory channels. Okay. Me... And the weather channels are part of that. Come standard with weather channels already loaded. Whoa. Okay. That's APRS. That's life chance of rain in the morning. Highs That's weather. Yeah. That's Noah, yeah. Got to get off that channel. It's gonna. It's already listening to me. That says mice. Okay, so this is two meter simplex. Uh huh. I'm getting nothing. Well, yeah. I mean, I could I can give you something real fast. Oh. No. Where are you? 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 Where are you?
we're like right next. Kilo India six November. I'm I'm off of that already. Okay. So let me. I don't like that as much. <laughs> but I think you don't you don't have everything loaded. Like yeah, I don't have a lot of the channels loaded yet. So. And part of the joy of the ID fifty two was that like so there's a, it's all there's a repeater, the KE six UPA. So we can okay. We just hit that repeater. So that's local. Okay. That's a weather station that's popping up. So we're getting live weather updates. I see. On APRS. Okay. So looks wise, the ICOM is more attractive. What is this signal stick? Yeah. And what's yeah, on the, this? Uh, just a, another antenna. Okay. So the front of the Kenwood has a bunch of numbers on it that... <laughs> it's got a bunch of numbers. Like Like a keypad. Like a like a, li phone, a literal like keypad. a phone keypad. You're talking about the the physical controls now. So I'm assuming that if I knew what I was doing, everything would be much easier to access. Probably because I don't know how to. It, it looks like every button has not only. Oh, sorry. You're good. I dodged it. <laughs> I almost stabbed you at the end. You love signal stuff so much. <laughs> Here, get it in the eye. <laughs> uh, so next to the number, it looks like there's uh, two different alternate functions. There is, yes. So like M to V, I don't know what that means. And then there's VFO mm -hmm. and M dot IN and MR. I don't know what any of these things mean. Sure. But if I did, it would probably be much faster to navigate than the ID52 because Pretty i'm much. i'm not going through me like nested menus to find the function i'm looking for yeah that's that's reasonable to say because like if you look at the id52 it's just six buttons plus the i guess seven the center of the mm -hmm. circle button the jewel button in the middle and then there's uh you know the the circle button that you can hit in four different directions mm-hmm yeah, if I if I knew what I was doing, I'd probably like the Kenwood more for ease of use. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really hard to beat the ID52's waterfall, though. I, I think that that makes it much more engaging to use sure. and much more user friendly. But also, if I remember, the ID52 didn't necessarily require you to load anything. It just picked everything up for you. Interestingly enough, that's where these two radios share uh, something in common. So they are both D-Star digital radios, mm -hmm. and you can load the repeater load, the repeater set yeah. that you would do with the ID-52. You can load it on the Kenwood, and it will, the Kenwood will also pick local repeaters. Oh. It's just a little bit deeper in the process to be able to do that. The ICOM is a little bit easier to do that function. The ICOM looks like a more expensive radio, though. The, the ICOM aesthetic. does look like a more expensive radio. That is true. The Kenwood feels outdated, even though it just came out. Mm. And I don't know if it's because of the number pad on it. It's kind of small. Or it's because of the form factor. Interesting. Yeah, the, the Kenwood is just like a, a rectangular bar. The ICOM has a little bit more curves to it. 
And I'm, I'm going to say that I don't really love the way the speaker layout is. I feel like the holes for the speaker mm-hmm. are too big. <laughs> look, look at this. Do you okay. see how big those holes are? Yeah, that's great. So many things can get stuck in there. No, it's it's fine. Yeah. But okay, I mean that's your that's your opinion, so I mean the other thing is that they, they put a diamond pattern on the on the Kenwood. It's like a carbon fiber look. Right. But it doesn't look like carbon f- like it you know what I mean? It's this this aesthetic detail that's added. That I think makes it look cheaper. Oh, interesting. So yeah, th- just just for a reference, the Kenwood radios uh, after the D seventy two was created, and then the D seventy four, and now the D seventy five. These are largely considered the Swiss Army knives of ham radio. You know what I'm not upset about though, mm-hmm. the numbering protocol. Good job, Kenwood. Yeah. So they did skip D seventy three. So they went THD-72, then the D-74, then the D-75. Okay, I take it back. I don't know why. I, there's probably Maybe there was a 73 and it wasn't released probably. in the U.S.? Uh, I don't know about that. So the D-75 and the D-74 and the D-72 have a just a plethora of features. There's no handheld on the market that does All what, the features. what these do. So this radio, Leia, has a USB port on the side. It now has USB-C. So oh, you, you love plug, that. Yeah, that you can plug into your computer and you can use this almost like a modem. I mean, I guess I just assume that hams don't care what it looks like as long as it works great. I mean, I think they do when you start dipping into the higher costs. Yeah, you know what I mean? Mm. So you almost have to have like rock How different features. does it look from the 74? Well, it just so happens that I have both of them. So first I'm going to give you the D72. Which what? is the oldest of the of the Kenwoods. Okay, put this icon away so I'm not distracted by it anymore. Okay. So here is the D seventy two. This actually is my first oh, high dollar radio. This is really strange. Yeah. So there's Okay, the uh, the That's like ten years of difference between these radios. The fifty two is bigger, yeah. but it's actually more aesthetically pleasing really you think so but the screen is too small yeah and, and it's a it's like an lcd screen of oh. of your days of your okay so i'll turn that on there's Maybe. not even an antenna on it oh the battery's dead this is an old boy uh, radio that battery's pretty bad here is the d74 which is the one that came before the 75 they're oh almost, yeah they're almost identical <laughs> yeah it's they're the same size yeah they're they're like identical so uh, many people believe that the d75 is just a barely rehashed version of the d well they added diamond uh carbon fiber (laughs) they added diamond plating to it yeah that's right yeah um so it it looks like the buttons have improved too they textured them differently they and they backlit them yeah oh well this isn't on oh (laughs) well geez i hope you turn the radio on i don't know hey this is not charged i just charged this uh, oh well that's okay so this is the, there you go are these dead. buttons backlit they don't look like they are they look like the numbers are printed on them i actually don't remember so i can't comment on that i'm looking at this and it looks like it's printed on well i'm not going to make a statement because i could be wrong i don't remember 
Okay. Anyway, so the 75 is backlit, though, which is really nice. I mean, the controls are the same. The Once again, the speaker holes are the smaller ones on on the D74. Mm-hmm. I, these are... This feels a little bit like how Baofeng comes out with multiple <laughs> like versions of the Baofeng. That is the funniest thing. These are like <laughs> these are so on the opposite ends of the radio spectrum in handhelds. But, but you know what I'm saying? I guess. Like, yeah, I guess so you can see where you're going. It's it's not a huge change to the radio. What's the price difference between these two? Uh, when the seventy four came out, it was probably about six hundred dollars. How much can you get it for now? I don't know. I haven't looked up the prices of, of used uh, D. So for a while, when the D74 was discontinued, these were going for over $800. Oh. So the resale market was really high. Now with the 75 coming out, that used market's going to come down significantly. But um, yeah, the, the 74 is a very, still very capable radio. Highly recommended if people are looking for a way to get this these level of features. The 74 is the way to go because what both of these radios have, Leia, is... They have Bluetooth, right? Oh. Now, for ham radios, Bluetooth generally means like audio device. Right. But the Kenwoods actually have a data portion to it where you can forego the USB cable and just connect to your laptop over Bluetooth for moving data. So when I do email downloads using WinLink, I just uh, connect via Bluetooth. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, so I take a $750 radio. Mm-hmm. That's how much this costs, $750. Okay. And I connect it to my $75 Jankopotamus. Oh. For getting my email. <laughs> These it, buttons might be backlit. I don't know. I, I think it. they are. I think they are. I'm not sure. Anyway. So there are... Um, oh, and the buttons on the 75 are spaced out a little bit more. Well, feel These the are, difference, too. Feel the difference. Yeah, but... The for the seventy five there's um there's aisle space, basically, but on the seventy four they're like right on top of each other. Yeah, they're I like I always there. would double click with the seventy four. Yeah. You had to be really conscious of the buttons you were pressing. Now I did read your newsletter mm-hmm. that went out to the patrons because I had to. You had to proofread it. You had to because if you didn't, no one would understand what I was saying. Apologies for anything I missed. <laughs> I was very tired, uh, yeah. but no you described me, what the changes were. Yes. And I don't remember what they are now. Sure. I think the USB-C was the big one. Uh, USB-C, this has the capability of doing APRS digipeating, right. which that's like a little repeater in a box, basically. You could put this on a mountaintop and it would gotcha. rebroadcast uh, digipeating. It has an enhanced speaker. Okay. So the speaker quality is better than the D74, at least. Because the holes are bigger, it looks Hole. like. So that that's going to make it better just by letting more sound out, yeah. you know, just <laughs> by its very definition. But I think the speakers also change, at least the driver. Or the I just think that bigger holes on a speaker can lead to more failure on it, I guess. Okay. The interesting thing, and uh, I was actually utilizing this pretty effectively. I, I'm not a big digital voice guy. Like I'm, I don't really do D Star mm-hmm. and and uh, actually I do D Star and Yesu System Fusion more than any of them. I don't do DMR. Uh, I also do P twenty five. But anyway, this is now a dual channel digital voice radio, whereas the mm. uh, predecessor was a one channel only. So you can be listening to your favorite digital voice repeater on D Star, and then you can be doing local 
close in scanning of all the other digipeter or repeaters at the same time. That's really useful. So it's there are there are novel upgrades, nothing crazy. Well, I think a lot of people might care about the APRS digipeter. Mm, no, I don't think so. I think that's really? a fairly niche. Yeah, it's very neat because if you think about it, it's only five watts output. So okay. Most of the digipeters that are on mountaintops, those are like 50 watts to 100 watts. Gotcha. There's just vastly different capabilities. I will, um, actually, after I did my live stream, someone who is a person that attends the Kenwood booths at Hamfest, he reached out to me and he said, hey, just you want to do a, a random guy who's like, I go to, I went to the Kenwood booths at no, all no, the No, 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 like not attend like, the booth. <laughs> Like goes to Hamfest with Kenwood, and he's the answer guy for Kenwood. Oh, in oh the booth. he's behind the booth, he's not in, in front on, of the booth. He's in the booth. He's with Kenwood. I, I was like, I'm a big fan of Kenwood. I, I stayed uh, at a Holiday Inn one time, and I went and uh, hung out at the Kenwood booth. You do a live stream with me? No, a very skilled individual who is going to join us on the live stream. And I specifically said, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to talk about why someone would want to upgrade from any handheld to the to the D75. But I also want to dip into what are the, the big upgrades from the 74 to the sure. 75. And he was like, yeah, that'd be great. He was like super into it. I'm like, oh, this is this is going to be awesome because he's like super passionate about Kenwood. And I'll say it again. Um, Real Kenwood guy. Kenwood for me is like, you know how you know how there's like Ford and Chevy? Yeah. You're a Ford guy or a Chevy guy. So that's kind of how like Yesu and Icom is, right? Yeah. Like you're one or the other. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily both. There's a lot of people that pick one and then like that's it. Ride or die. Mm -hmm. You know, Icom for life or, you know. I feel like you do have a soft spot for Kenwood handhelds though. Uh, just Kenwood in general. Like Kenwood, I'll, I'll say Kenwood is like the brand that nobody can be mad at. They just, they make good radios. They've always been good. I think I could find a way. <laughs> I think I could get mad at this inanimate object. <laughs> but Kenwood's always like one of those companies where you're like, you just want to see them succeed and you just want to, you know, to keep making good radios. They they make good HF radios. Oh, you're saying that they're hard to hate on. They're hard to hate on. Like nobody really hates on Kenwood. They they do all kinds of little quirky things. Like they, this, this D74, when this came out, uh, let's see, does it say, it doesn't say it on here, but it used to have this thing called Sky Command. Great name, right? Uh-huh. Where you could use your handheld and it would interface with your HF radio. Okay. So while you're around the house, you could control your HF radio on the go around the house and transmit to it over RF. And it would take your voice and put it through the HF radio. So you could use your hand, your VHF, UHF handheld to uh -huh. talk to your HF radio, which would then transmit and send the audio that it's hearing to the HT. It was just crazy little, you know, mad scientist functionality. But yeah, anyway... Leia, is this um is this moving you enough to to give me back the ID fifty two from being your favorite radio? You know, you love Kenwood so much. I don't think I could do that to you. You could just <laughs> we'll just keep on keeping on. I, I think <laughs> I think everybody probably knows I love all radios. I'm definitely not um a hater on any brand really. I don't even think there's really Nope. I, I just love playing with all this stuff. I absolutely love it. So this is another good one. Yes, I did I did buy the 75 and all of these radios that I own. So, yeah, trying to be as, as fair and balanced as I can. 
And the yeah. only way to do that is buying all the radios, right, Leah? That's the only way. It feels like there's other ways. No, it's the only way. It <laughs> definitely feels there's other ways. What's happening? The staircase has changed, remember? Let's go this way. Before the staircase moves again. It is time for the email. Oh, lost it there. The email correspondence tower. Guys, you send us correspondence in lots of different ways. In the center is the looming tower of email. You can email us at lay at hamtactical.com. But we also have two small buildings on the left and right. The left building is the physical mail depot where you send us e or physical mail to P.O. Box 5101 Cerritos, California. And that can go to Leia or Josh. Do make sure you put Leia or Josh on it. If you want to send us something, you don't have to. But just an FYI, they actually do check the name. Or Ron Beavers. But don't send anything to Ron don't Beavers. Send That's that going we don't do right mail fraud. In. I push it right back yeah. to the slot. But we still get a lot of those. I have to say something right up top. Mm -hmm. The right up surprise top. that we were expecting oh, last yes. Thank week. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Arrived this week. And it is even better than I imagined so, i it so thank you edward thank you edward we'll go ahead tell him what, what he sent I edward think. sent a king cake from randazzo's okay and edward's from louisiana mm -hmm. this is a big deal nona randazzo's what nona randazzo's is the bakery i actually have a little we have to take a little side tangent here after you're done Okay. Go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll do it in a second. Did you know that there's more than one Randazzo's? That's exactly that what does? I'm going to dip into. Oh, so okay. So we, we, have, we have field correspondent of King Cake, one Don Wilbanks, because okay. he's from Louisiana. <laughs> All right. And so I told him that somebody sent us a King Cake. He got real excited. He's like, where's it from? I got real excited. <laughs> he's, like, I, you, he's like, you tell me where it's from. I'll let you know if it's a good one or not. And I'm like... Okay. I'm like, well, I already ate some of it, Don. And I'll just tell you, it's real good. It's really good. So I took a picture of it and he goes, oh, that's a good one. And specifically, this is like Goldilocks, the Filipino chain. It's a family and they got like broken up <gasps> due to something. Drama, death in the family or something along those lines. So there are multiple Randazos now. Whoa. And so he saw so that. this is like, like Goldilocks and Leland Cafe. Exactly. That kind of thing. So the Nona Randazzo's, he's like, that's a really good one. Oh, but take that, Randy Randazzo. Yeah. Is that? Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I hope everybody knows what a king cake is. But just in case you don't, it is a uh, cake that's eaten from uh Sometime in January, Sometime. like I think it's January sixteenth until Fat Tuesday. Is that how that? Works? No, Leia. Oh, no. I, uh. So you're talking about it was it Ash Tuesday? That's or Ash, Ash Wednesday. Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. So from Ash Wednesday, there's Lent. Okay. And that goes to Fat Tuesday. Yes. So when you're under Lent, you're you're you usually give something up. Oh, it's served on King's Day, January sixth. And continues through the eve of Mardi Gras. Right. Or some people give up sweets for Lent or whatnot, and so they don't eat that kind of stuff. But on Fat Tuesday, the reason they call it Fat Tuesday is everybody's coming off of Lent, so they're 
gorging themselves on whatever it is they gave up on. That's why Mardi Gras is a big party, because everybody's coming off of Lent. So it is eaten between January 6th, King's Day, and Fat Tuesday. I was correct. I mean, sure, depending on what they do for Lent, but okay. Okay, this is what's super cool, though. Mm-hmm. The The kit that... Oh, the kit was great. <laughs> ...that Edward sent, it not only came with the cake, there was a baby that was already kind of inserted... I got that baby on my first cut. Yeah. It was. So so I guess I'm buying next year's cake. But (laughs) I think that was put there in that way so that you would redeposit it. Secretos. But I didn't see it when I opened it. I know. I know. And then when I cut into it, there was the baby. Sweet baby Jesus. And and it came with a mask and Mardi Gras beads. It was so cool. And there was coffee. Which I was like, amazing. So I immediately brewed up some coffee. and I I want to eat some of it right now. It was very good. So for anybody who hasn't had this, a king cake is like, you know how- cinnamon roll, but it's braided. You know how like when you share a a cinnamon roll with your wife and they take the inside and they leave you the husk on the outside? A king cake cake is mostly like in- interior cinnamon roll goodness oh it's so good and you just you just chow down on it and it has icing on it and that icing usually has uh yellow green and purple colors which are kind of like the mardi gras colors and it's all over the top of it it's very colorful and it's usually a loop of some kind oh it was so fantastic it's great it was really really good i've been i've been eating some every day yeah so very much appreciate it. And like it's Fat Tuesday every day. You know, it, it really made my week mm-hmm. because I, I'm sure you guys already know. One of the things I love the most is just local delicacies. Oh, yes. This is like hitting all the marks for you. It's a very exciting time for me. It is. So thank you so much, Edward. Thank you. Edward. Very much appreciate it. So continuing along, I got a QSL card from KI5TMS, Travis, thanking me for a contact we made on single sideband, which I believe was when I was doing a a POTA activation. Nice. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Travis. Appreciate it. Next, this is titled Josh and Leia. Amazing. uh, But it's a QSL card for me. (laughs) (laughs) We also made contact. Oh, no, it's not. What? What? That's kind of funny. I want you to read uh, this. So this is from Aaron. One. Thank you, Aaron. N6ACA. So I'll show you that and then flip it over Ooh, and then you can read the contents of the signal exchange. And snorkeling in Hawaii. That's great. What's this kit in this picture here? What? That kit. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to see it up close. Go ahead and read the signal report there in the back. Per my last email to the podcast, keep up the good work. <laughs> so that was to us. Uh, oh, funny. that's a so um, he mentioned the rig that he uses. He did he did fill it out completely. So he's running a true SDX, which is kind of like a very inexpensive QRP radio, five watts with a twenty to thirty meter linked dipole, eight feet above the ground, one hundred yards from the Pacific Ocean. Amazing. So it's the family vacation that they took to Maui. I want to go back to Hawaii. I know, but the big island, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Last one, though. We did get a... a, I actually got a physical mail. Uh, This is, I think, something that someone told me they were going to send me. This is a 
radio bit, I believe. I want to make a sure radio that. bit. Oh, you make me so nervous when you just cut things yes. open with a knife. It's an antenna. You could have 100% cut that antenna. Never. Why would I do with, that? No, with the knife, the way that you were opening it. No, I felt it before I cut Oh, it gotcha. I kind of knew it was going to be an antenna. Uh, so this is a nice neon green antenna from ZBM2. Does this also have a diamond pattern on it? No. No. Looks like it's wrapped in some kind of braided fabric. So ZBM2 owner Derek. And uh, you can check them out. Let's see. I think if you just search ZBM2, they make antennas. And this is a BNC style connector. So we'll... We'll go ahead and connect that to one of our radios. But yeah, real flexible. Oh, no, you broke it. <laughs> I did not. You did. You broke it. It came off in my hand. You made it from one piece to two pieces. <laughs> uh, there might have been some shipping damage that was done. Uh, pretty cool antenna, though. The neon green is really, really nice. So I appreciate you sending that over. And I'll take a look at, you know, what I can do. I think it's probably okay. I just have to recrimp it, maybe. But anyway, thank you so much, Derek. If that was... I, I'm not sure if Derek sent this or it was one of the fans of the antennas. I think it was somebody who bought it for me. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You guys go check that out if you're interested. Very cool looking antenna. Okay, that means we're closing up the physical mail depot. Thank you so much for sending physical mail, and we're continuing to enjoy that king cake. Thank you very much, Edward. We're going to head on over to the voicemail annex. Leia, how can someone voicemail us they can call 562-334-2389 wonderful and away we go hey Lee and josh this is uh ben kb3 hgt hey ben uh, hey ben you're about a week behind on the podcast but uh wanted to note about the uh, the the boy scout the naming stuff with the boy scouts you were talking about two podcasts ago uh the National organization is still known as Boy Scouts of America, yes. and there has been no movement to change that at this point. Uh, what changed oh. was the middle school to high school age, the 11 to 18 approximately age group, fifth grade to late fifth grade to through 18 program is now known as Scouts BSA. Because I see. within all of the organization, that was the only program that had boy actually in the name of the program, uh, not the organization. So you had Cub Scouts. Does not have a gender in it. Uh, Boy Scouts did, so they just call it Scouts BSA. And then uh, the other two main programs we have, uh, Venturing and Exploring, or Venturing and Sea Scouts, actually are uh, have been co-ed uh, for decades. Yeah. So to some of the naysayers out there, uh, the Boy Scout program has had girls in some of its programs for a long oh. time. And to the dens uh, in the packs, were uh, uh, Boy Dens, Girl Dens. Uh, there is a pilot program that some councils are taking part of right now where they're going co-ed then. So uh, that is a new dish this school year. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And then uh, that may change where it may be most of the dens could become co-ed dens. Interesting. Uh, but then the, on the Scouts BSA side, it is still at this point, um, there are girl troops and boy troops. Uh, uh, I, are separated I think I now. would uh, feel a little bit more comfortable think with I'm, that. I'm a long-time scouting volunteer. I do not think that'll last uh, for many years, I think it'll eventually just become integrated fully. But uh, this is kind of, you know, 
need to have stepping stones in some ways to uh, yes. get everybody comfortable with it and move forward to it. So thought that helped clear that up for you guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you so much, Ben. Um, I also want to note that the integration for a lot of packs is going to be necessary because, for instance, we have certain dens that are full of girls. Mm-hmm. There's so many girls yep. in those dens. And then we have certain years where there's just one girl in a den. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of like, maybe you should just do our activities with us. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it never ends up working out that way. Right. I mean, eventually it's probably just going to work itself out. And in some cases there will be intermingled and other ones there won't be. And it's. I think it'll depend on the number of. uh, Well, I think it does matter at the older ages. I think that Uh, it it might be a challenge once they get into the scouts BSA troops. I, I was thinking to myself, like, what is the worst case scenario? And sure, if you were like. If everybody was going on a backpacking trip. Yes. And you'd have to have a percentage of probably female adults. Yes. That would go on the hike, right? Because mm-hmm. it was just a bunch of, you know, men. Yes. Taking uh, younger people on a hike. That might raise some eyebrows. And, and that could be completely innocent, of course, right? But you probably would just need that. From everything the boy... I got to say, like, from everything the Boy Scout has been through, right... The fact that it's still around and there's still so many good people that are continuing oh, to make it, you know, amazing for young people to learn very important skills. I, I'm just happy, right, that it it does exist to this date, you know, regardless of, of my feelings of, of why I didn't, you know, get to where I was going necessarily. I, I just love the fact that it's still there. And yeah. I know they'll do the right thing. Because mm-hmm. that's really what they care about is making sure that they're on the right footing for all this stuff. So I'm sure they'll handle it. I'm sure they'll do hikes like that the appropriate way. I know now uh, that a lot of the, you know, when they go out hiking like that, it's mm-hmm. generally single gendered, right? You know, right. It's a girl's group or a boy's group, that kind of thing. And they'll go off and, and do what they got to do. Oh, Ben's back with another voicemail, though. Oh, yeah. okay. Just a follow up, it sounds like. Hey, Josh and Leah, Ben, or kb 3 h Again, got further in the podcast and uh, wanted to mention that uh, the Maripet books are actually available on Kindle. Whoa. And uh, electronically and also as uh, an e-book like PDF or something like that. It's some kind of e-book from uh, Boy Scouts directly in addition to the print version. Cool. Uh, I think the print version has been some rumor, too, that they're moving more to like the print-on-demand model for that. Cause most people that makes sense. Are, yeah. are, I think are, it's very common to use electronic versions now. So I thought you guys might like to know that. Thank you for letting us know. Now we can just download to Kindle. Uh, There's some merit badge books like the radio one where it's like good to have the book because there's lots of like things you might notes that you might add Mm -hmm. to it. Uh, Print on demand makes sense, except for the books that they sell just like a ton of because there's some books that there's just a ton of those merit badges out there. Gotcha. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you, Ben. For being our uh, scouts aficionado. Hey, Josh and Leah, uh, and everyone on the HRCC uh, community, whatever. Um, <laughs> this is Mike WX0, M-I-K. And uh, one question I know we get on the VE team quite often is, well, I don't have a good place to test. I don't think I can uh, do a virtual test. Yeah. Right. And um, I want to point out uh, some of the more unique places that we have seen testing Oh, yes. Happen. Oh, I love that. I've always one been that curious. We had just over this weekend. 
Um, so one of our own team members, their uh, son decided he, he wanted to get his ham radio license, and he tested in a tree. Like, literally, he what? was he climbed the tree, he sat in the tree, that's and took funny. his test. And passed, of course, too. And I hope uh, I wonder if that's that a first. person does email or write in about uh, the rest of that part of it. So that was awesome. Um, but that's that's probably one of the most unique places I have seen. No joke. Um, but also I've seen a test uh, where they were in uh, one of those rail on the rails, you know, down those little rail houses or switching houses. I'm not sure what they call it. Uh, I've taken the test uh, with someone who Around was sitting house? in there one day. Uh, someone was, it was in their security room um, at work. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> like in their home. There. Um, <laughs> Of course, you know, there's all the uh, normal bedrooms, bathrooms, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting out in their backyard, I've seen that before. Uh, people sit in their own cars. Got to get a little creative. You know, we're obviously going to make sure that the location is secure and that there are no um, reference materials, materials or any of that kind of stuff around. But uh, think creatively on how you can make your testing environment secure. Mm-hmm. So that you don't have um, disruptions and things like that. Um, and sometimes we may say, "Hey, that's great. Please use a second camera, so just so we can see the entire environment." Mm, uh, one that's time how we you did a test in a um, kind of a student um, common area. He was the only one in the room, but there were students walking by and things, and they were all ignoring him, so there's no issues with security or anything like that stuff that I had concerns of. And, um, yeah, so think creatively, kind of think of, a, you know, where you can be uh, not disturbed for a good half hour. And, uh, you know, check with us if you have questions, and uh, otherwise we will uh, work with you on what makes sense. You can test this, but anywhere, that's why it's called virtual testing. And I still argue it's the best way to test because you don't have to leave your house. You have to drive two hours to your test session mm-hmm. or whatever your situation is. Sure. Uh, so 7-3s, everybody, and uh, uh, welcome to the new year, if I haven't said that yet. Thank uh, you. This is WX0, M-I-K. Thank you oh, so much, helpful. Mike. And thank you for all your efforts as a VE and the amazing VE team that uh, I don't even think – Everybody knows how much work is going on behind the scenes, but they are doing a great job navigating it. So thank you, guys. Very good. Yeah, that's a a, a tree. Taking your test from a tree. That's unique. (laughs) Pretty easy to secure, too. It's like... What do you think? I've got. I, I rigged this with cameras, and it's the squirrel. It's always the it's squirrel. The squirrel. <laughs> You're right. Hello, this is Curtis Kilo Quebec for Fox Charlie Sierra in Virginia. Hey, Curtis. Hey. So I have a fun story to tell you about how I got into ham radio. So I went camping with my friends, which is something we do often, nice. and I noticed that one time they brought on radio to talk to each other on mm-hmm. and later a couple months later i asked them so what were those radios you had like where can i get one so we can chat when we go camping again you don't want to be and left out of the group chat it's a usb 5r uh but you have a license uh there's all these different license levels and you need one to, to use the radio oh well so i nice studied up and I was very excited. Within a month, I got my technician license nice. on my son's second birthday. Well, happy oh. birthday to um, your son. 
and then I was so excited to go camping, and I was telling them all about it, how I got my license, and it turns out that none of them have license, and they oh. don't use what? radios. They just use FRS radios, and they thought it would be funny to see if I would go through the whole licensing process. What? And I did. So... Now the joke's on them because I never shut up about it. Well, now you're it's better than them. That I do all the time. <laughs> I just got just my general's ticket. Oh, well, you got a two uh, Yeah, a couple months ago now, and my grandpa is a ham as well. He's okay. I'm gonna let you ring that bell. That's, That's a twofer, one. and none for your friends. None for them. <laughs> Idaho. His call sign is KG7CN, and he sent me a. TF690S that he had. That's so uh, nice. Collecting some dust. So I got it running. I got on HF. Um, and I've been having a great time. It's an awesome hobby. I've gotten into the DIY aspect. Um, made a roll up J pole. I made Whoa. my own horse coat here. So wow. I as well as I studied for my amateur extra license. Well, good luck with your extra. Um, yeah, and I just had lots of fun. And, you know, I always carry around a radio with me in the car. Never talk to anybody except on the odd repeater on the way to work. But the other day I saw somebody with an antenna on their car, and so I flashed my radio at them. And at first they were really confused. And I thought maybe I made a mistake. Maybe it wasn't a ham. But then he caught up to me again and started flashing five and two with his hands. And I realized uh. he was trying to get me to go to the national calling frequency. So oh. we went to the national calling frequency, and we chatted the entire way to work. That is so cool. cool. He's from my area, and we had a good talk. And, yeah, this was a great and now hobby. you're going to go POTA together. I have many hobbies, including playing music and amateur astronomy. And Ooh. This is one I think is going to last a long time. It's a lot of fun, and I hope it stays alive. So love the podcast. Oh, thank you. You guys are you. awesome. Always give me a good laugh. Hang on. Oh, repeater timeout. Hi, this is Curtis again. Kilo Quebec 4, Fox Ride, Charlie Sierra. Got timed out. Just wanted to say, love the podcast and keep it up. You guys oh, are awesome. Thank you. I love the preparedness corner. Oh, uh, thank no you. No matter what anybody else says, so keep doing it. <laughs> who's My saying wife, bad things? <laughs> who's not really into ham radio at all, does love the preparedness information. Uh, something. Something, some, a nice commonality we have on, on this side of the world. Oh, good for wise. her. So, That's cool. awesome. Maybe, maybe one day she'll be into the radio stuff. We'll see. Anyway, 7-3. I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks, Curtis. Well, thank you, Curtis. And really, if your wife's into preparedness, at least the tech license. Yeah, at least. It's it's not hard. No. It's I not. mean, especially if you study more than five questions at a time. Right. You slow rolled it and you did fine. Yeah. So I, I believe in your wife. Very good. It's for me, Mason, Kilo and Mike Alpha Zulu. <laughs> hey, Mason. Um, and I was just calling in quickly. Let's see if I can get this under a minute. Um, I participated in <laughs> Winter Field Day this weekend, but I only did one contact um, because I was doing some other stuff. Got involved with other things and Probably um, pretty cold decided I was going to try it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, got my N3 FJP uh, logger up, all set up, uh, reset, updated to um, the new, newest update for N3 FJP. And um, 
the the pulling and all that stuff worked well with my 7300 and um then I, I keyed up and I was having a above 3 to 1 SWR I think it's just it's cold and I got to reevaluate maybe a wire is touching one of the trees or something like that but at least I got at least one contact in well done for well done. winter field day so this is kilo one mike alfadulu saying as much ham radio as you want or as little up to you <laughs> that's a great message nathan yes, thank you oh hello lord josh and lady leia Alabama uh, Andrew here, KQ4 APD, she's not, uh, calling she, in. Finally got my voice Hey, back Alabama in. Andrew. Yeah. Good she's to hear your voice her. again. I figured I'd call in and give y'all a little bit more uh, context to that last email I sent about my photo activation. So temps bearable to me are in the 30s, 40s. I don't remember exactly, but they were somewhere in between there. Because um, I like it cold. I cannot That's stand cold. it to be super warm. I got to be, like, cold. I get way too hot hiking. And, mm -hmm. oh, I had to hike around for, like, an hour to an hour and 30 minutes to find those picnic tables on the other side of the preserve. So there was that. Oh, man. And when I was setting up in the parking lot, uh, there was, like, a total of, like, five, six cars. And only I'm not people sure if that's I saw a lot maybe, or like, a four people walking around, including the worker. And two of them oh, were 25-year-old uh, ladies uh, wa walking up to no, I feel like weak sauce. So I don't know if it was them, <laughs> but if it is, and I see them again, I'm just going to push them down, get back at them. <laughs> uh, about your comment about Southerners being like the Canadians of America, we are not the Canadians of America. Uh, not all of us are friendly. Oh. Only true Southern gentlemen. Well, that friendly. is definitely you. And it's advice that my grandmother would always give me of that if a true Southern gentleman knows what battles to choose, and they are always the diplomat until they have to go to war. And then yes. when you do go to war, you'll make sure that the other person doesn't even know it. Um, I would not mess with a Southerner. No matter how friendly. That's how nice. you end up in a duel. the long pause. Uh, <laughs> before I go. Uh, I'd like to give you some advice uh, my dad gave me a long time ago. Um, you should always, or you should really try archery while blindfolded. Blindfolded. Now I'm butchering the, the pun. Gosh, I'm hiding. You really should try archery while blindfolded. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, before I go, That's good. also, I've been accepted into a secret society. <gasps> I can't tell you how excited I am about it. 73, live, laugh. Hercule Durkle. Hercule Thank you for APD out. This is one more from Andrew. Hang All right. Uh, it's Alabama Andrew again. Uh, I would like to say I do what I said last time. I'm not condoning elderly abuse. We know. Uh, it was a joke. Don't at uh, for anything. If you at somebody, I'm good on QRZ. It's uh, obviously KQ4 APD. Just wanted to say that. Um, Hope you have a good rest of the podcast. Good job on the test, Leah. And um, Josh, you're awesome. Thank you. Peace. <laughs> Alabama Andrew, we would never think that a Southern gentleman like yourself <laughs> would advocate for elderly abuse. <laughs> Thank you for c clarifying, though. <laughs> hey, Leah Josh, it's Ham Solo. Hey, Ham Solo. Uh, 
I was actually uh, calling uh, in reference to the podcast. Uh, well, thank you. And uh, listened to uh, one of the last episodes and, and uh, had some observations. I know I don't normally talk about that stuff, but uh, the uh, the term y'all were looking for is called kolaches. Uh, and his kolaches is not kolach? The, uh, you know, bread-type pastry yes. sometimes has like a little, you know, sausage in it or something. almost looks like a pig in a blanket. Right. And uh, sure. that's, uh, that's the way they pronounce it, kolachi. Kolachi. Uh, the other thing was, uh, I love the movie interviews or the uh, reviews. And the one thing that I saw on 10 Cloverfield Lane, I know we were talking about the uh, that maritime radio. Uh, I had to rewatch it just because I thought, well, that'd be a big mistake if they uh, had put that in there and weren't thinking about it. And so uh, it actually, uh, in the very beginning, he says that they're at in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, oh. about 40 miles outside. And that's right up against the Gulf Coast. Oh. And so uh, you should be able to hear shipping traffic uh, from uh, ships there in the Gulf Coast. Just thought, the, you know, I'd bring that forward after I rewatched it. That makes sense. It's a good movie. Yeah. So this is Ham Solo K0FYR73. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're telling me that whole time where they are bored in that bunker making use of all of the limited amenities – not one of them went to go try to use the radio. It was out yeah. there in the open. Right. And and it wasn't in scan mode. Still, to this day, it's like, you would be scanning. Always be scanning. Yeah. and But even then, mm -hmm. it wasn't like he was trying to hide the radio from them. No. It's not like it was locked up or anything. And so they could have turned on the radio. He even tells them, you can try. Right? He does, yeah. And there are people alive because they're, when she gets out, there's somebody to listen to on the radio. Oh, yeah. She tells uh, there's a, st a station she clues in on that yeah. is calling for survivors. Yes. And, they, and the, the news brief is that there's like a human resistance that's building up. And she's like, I'm heading there. She turns around and she's, she's going to the human resistance. That's how the movie ends. So then it makes even less sense to me. The lack of radio use. Yeah. I mean, again... That makes it worse. So, K-Fire, thanks for pointing that out. Very good. But that, I mean... Again, this this is the only black mark on the entire movie. Unless, again, it was done intentionally. There's no reason that you wouldn't have many radios. Shortwave radios, yes. ham radios, marine radios, all the radios. You'd have them all, right? I mm -hmm. mean... If you if you had a bunker that was that well appointed, yes, you'd have everything. You you'd have Starlink, regardless of my feelings. You'd, you'd have <laughs> so many. You'd have everything. You'd you'd try to load it out with as much information gathering capability as possible, right? So that part of it was just it was just odd. It was, the whole thing was odd. I felt like, like that was when you yeah. when you made that point that it's like oh maybe that was all intentional. I was like ah I see where you're going with that. That yes. makes sense. Yeah. Yes. That was the last voicemail. Okay. Thank well, you so much, Ham Solo. Look forward to updates on you getting that all states, though. Indeed. So close. So close. So if you'd like to email us, lay at hamtactical.com. Send us your ham radio story. Tell us about your journey. Do you have any questions or concerns? Feel free to drop that in an email. And if you go to hamtactical.com, that's the merch store that supports this podcast along with my YouTube channel. If you send us a merch idea in 
email form and we like it and we make one and put it on the website, we'll send you one for free. Hello, hello, welcome to the tower. Hello, hello, welcome to the tower. Leia's reading your emails and Josh is going on a tangent. Thank you for your email. We hope you like it here. Indeed. Well, here we are at the tower, and the first email is titled, Thank You. You're and welcome. this comes from Ryan. Hi, Leia. My name is Ryan Hurley. I've been learning a ton about amateur radio from Josh's content, and I'm just super grateful for all you guys do to educate and inform people. I'm in the Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area. Nice. Nice local. Yep. My sister lives in Costa Mesa now. With your guys' help, I just passed my technician exam yesterday congratulations and i'm working on the general excellent well you and me both buddy (laughs) (laughs) since i feel some sort of debt for receiving tons of great info from you for free i'd like to return a bit my background is in apparel brands and performance products, uh, brand product design and innovation mainly. My family has done a few brands in the past, Billabong, Hurley, sold to Nike, uh, worked at a Nike for 20 years. Anyways, we started a new brand called Florence uh, with John Florence, a world champion surfer from Hawaii. Cool. And uh, the website, I'm going to drop it in the show notes, but it's florencemarinex.com. And he says, this isn't, a, this isn't a sponsorship inquiry. More so, I wanted to send Josh a promo code so you all can enjoy some products. No strings attached. Just a way for me to return the favor. Oh, that's super Thank nice. Thank you. That's so nice. Here's a promo code for the website. For Wow. That is really generous. Well, thank you. The promo code's for $1,000. What? Yeah. I'm pulling up their website right now, and it, it's so it's Florence Marine X. Uh huh. And so the first image I see is a guy on a summit wearing what? like a down jacket. And I'm like, well, that's not what I expected at all. That's for surfers? But like, it this looks is a like, super outdoorsy. It looks spot. like they have all kinds of different really cool stuff. Oh, I'm seeing I'm seeing all the surf stuff. Very cool. Yeah, there's definitely surf sh- stuff, no question. But I mean, they got Cordura and uh, all kinds of other parachute. Stuff. Wow, this is amazing. Yeah, thank you so much. That's wow, so generous. Cordura. Yeah, uh, he says figure some of the gear might be good for Josh's Poda and Soda type activations. Oh yeah, the code will also work at our store in Newport Beach on PCH and Prospect. They have a store. Yeah, that's not far from me. I could just go down there and be like, "Hey, what's up?" My cousin has a preschool in Newport Beach. Oh, they got other... suits too. Yeah. That's amazing. They have pants, bottoms, a lot of Cordura. That's awesome. I love Cordura. Well, That's thank you so generous. much. Thank you so much. Well, Ryan says, just wanted to send a thank you. And that's from Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. That's awesome. And I'm not going to read out the one-time use code. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Really appreciate it. That's so incredibly generous. These jackets are legit. Oh, you are so, so excited. Cool. Oh man, these are awesome. Josh is such a gear junkie. I am. I am. Just wow, they have all a the lot. Gears. They have fleece and down. 
And I know Ryan didn't ask for it, but everybody go check out their website These because awesome. it is very cool. Uh, lots of great soda gear for sure. Yeah, man. This is super cool. Well, thank you. The next email is titled North Pole Contact. <gasps> Not. Oh. <laughs> this comes from Eric. <laughs> Josh and Leia, with regards to the pictures I sent last week that showed all my DX and POTA contacts in 2023, the one contact that was straight a straight shot north of me was not Greenland or the North Pole, sadly. That would have been really cool. But the Eureka weather station in Eureka Nunavut on Ellesmere Island. Why are you complaining about that? That sounds cool. The contact was almost, well, we were trying to decipher where that contact was in his picture. Oh, okay. okay. I, like, I think that's Greenland. You're like, that's the North Pole. <laughs> it was not. It was Ellesmere Island. The contact was hey, almost. It's, a, it's way farther north than any of us are right now. That's true. The contact was almost a straight shot north of me at just over 2,400 miles. This excerpt from Eureka's Wikipedia page reads, it is the third northernmost permanent research community in the world. You can't give me North Pole with that one. The only two <laughs> farther north are Alert, which is also on Ellesmere Island, and Nord in Greenland. With that being said, even though it is part of Canada, it is still very much inside the Arctic Circle. The Eureka Amateur Radio Club claims they are probably the most northerly located amateur radio club in the world you can't get yeah. the north pole on this one i mean i appreciate it's not directly on the north pole but come on come on even if you don't have time to read anything take a quick look at their qrz page and see some of the awesome pictures they have of the station and array it is intense and i'm going to i will drop this link in the show notes but I'm going to show uh, Josh some pictures. This you got to be this is their station. if you're going to the North Pole. This is their station. Look at that sky. Dude. That's, wait, there's more. Wow. There's no snow in this picture because that was summer. What? <laughs> and then that was March. Snow all over the place. <laughs> it's a very red building, too. It's very red. Ooh, Ooh look at look that. At that. QSO on FM satellites at sunset. This is really cool. That's very cool. Thank you for showing oh, I love that. that. Thank oh, you for sharing. Fantastic. Nuva, Nunavut is a Canadian territory. Canada has 10 provinces and three territories, much like the U.S. has 50 states and 14 territories, except Canada's territories are either the same size or larger than most provinces and are contiguous with the rest of the country. To give some perspective of Canada's sheer size and magnitude, the average size of a U.S. state is roughly uh, 76,190 square miles, while the average size of a Canadian province or territory is 296,538 square miles. Dude, Canadian provinces are huge. For clarification, I just Googled the size in square miles of the U.S. and Canada and divided that by the number 50 and 13, respectively. So I don't blame you for thinking it was the North Pole or Greenland. Canada is so unreasonably large and far north. For some additional context of size, for me to drive to Manitoba, the next province west of Ontario where I live, 
without crossing the border, I would have to drive for 21 hours and 43 minutes nonstop. Even if I wanted to cut through Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, I would only shave about an hour off my nonstop trip just to get to the next province westward. Canadian provinces are huge. Massive. They're like separate countries in and of themselves. They're massive. Like Quebec? It's like I think a different, that's actually one of the smaller it's ones. It's a different uh, main it, language. Quebec though. is not like a province, I didn't think. What? Is it? Is it? Am I wrong? What is it then? I don't know. I, oh, I don't, well, you fact check I've never yourself. Been, I've never been to... Now, uh, with all that being said, I get a load of these factoids. Roughly 90% of Canadians... It is. Jeez. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, and it's huge. Yes. Jesus. I don't yeah. know what I'm talking about. Mm, you just like correcting me, I think. I don't know what. That's <laughs> It's not that's that I like where Ben gets it Leia. from. <laughs> it's, it's it's not that I it's not that I like correcting you. Oh. I take no joy in it. I'm just very confident. <laughs> in my in my opinions. You're very confident in, in, in my your misguided opinions. opinions. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric says roughly 90% of Canadians live within just 100 miles of the U.S.-Canada border, with more than 70% living below the 49th parallel, and more than 60% live south of Seattle. And to top it off, a whopping 80% of Canada is completely uninhabited. That's Mm -hmm. just wild. Yep. Our country is essentially wide open, empty, pristine, and untouched wilderness, though mostly inhospitable, untouched wilderness, I might add. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's um, it's like the north beyond the wall. From Game of Thrones? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like where the White Walkers are? Yeah, like I yeah. got the reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they <laughs> like you saying that. I don't know. I mean, The untouched wilderness? I bet creepy things happen out there. I read a lot of creepypastas recently. Well, you're, so. you're crazy. <laughs> well, I rambled on long enough. I just thought I'd throw some factoids for brain food your way. I love factoids. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> 73, Eric, VA3FYB. P.S. Maybe next time I email into the podcast, I'll tell you how Canadians use both the metric and imperial systems every day. I have seen the video. The, so have I. The yes. couple. It's so funny. Yes. There are unwritten rules and a whole structure as to what system we use to measure what. To anyone outside of Canada, it would make absolutely no chaos. sense it's whatsoever chaotic. but it and seem highly inconsistent. As far as I know, we are the only people in the world who use both systems daily and haphazardly like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the U.S., we do use the metric system. I mean, we use it on the bands, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we think about marathons, 5K, 10K. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) The next email is titled Shack slash Shop, and this comes from Jeff. Okay. Hey, ham power couple. Oh, I guess like maybe like one and a half ham like you're a ham i guess i'm a whole ham but you're a whole ham i just love uh, uh, love how a quick email about welding evolves into a light bulb discussion adhd podcast shiny this you know uh, i remember when josh and i were just dating mm-hmm. and one of the things that he would bring up a lot was this instance when we were in the pool and I got distracted by a bubble. 
And that really should have been an early indicator that I had ADHD. <laughs> I don't remember this story. Uh, you don't? No. You used to tell it a lot early on in our relationship. <laughs> I mean, okay. Just a follow-up. I will be building the shack slash shop using the poor man's method. I built three houses with my dad as a teenager. And so wow. something as simple as a shed is a fun project. Mm -hmm. I only have a tech license right now. So I'm only using two meters, 70 centimeters and listening with an SDR on my Raspberry Pi 4. This is actually a test bed for a setup I'm working on with two acres of property I'm buying in Northern Arizona as a blank slate, very rural and no restrictions. Cue Josh's jealousy. I am. I need big antennas. I need big space for big antennas. It's just going to be a big antenna farm. That's not the kind of farm I want. Yeah. We're going to grow contacts. Animals instead. <laughs> you can't eat contacts. I got to get a whole bushel of them. <laughs> I thought of something after I sent that email. Grinding dust is murder on electronics. Oh, yeah. So I'll have to build a closed cabinet for the radios. I will definitely send you guys pics of the new shop when it's done, maybe even during the building process. Oh, please. Thanks, guys. Yeah. 73, Jeff, KJ7UHH. P.S. Jake sure is sensitive about using the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't Jason this time. Am I right? Uh, yeah, Am I've I... never got called Jake before. I get, uh, even before Ham Radio 2.0, people called me Jason. They're like, but you just look like a Jason. I've got John. <laughs> John. But actually, Jason, I get called Jason a lot. Okay. Unrelated that... to 2.0. We, yeah. we look nothing alike. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I would not confuse you. The next email is titled, Stock... 500. Oh. And this is from Douglas. Hello, Douglas. As per my last email, I was using my new phone and then tried out my old S9 and it worked great. I was able to use the Stick 500 to build and tune a portable 40 meter ah. in time for winter field day. Excellent. Well done, Douglas. Yeah. I'm assuming he's talking about the Bluetooth connectivity. Yeah. The low energy Bluetooth. Well that... done making it work. Mm-hmm. The next email is titled Beehive State Honey, and this comes from Dan. Utah is the beehive state. Bees and bee farming are protected and encouraged. Okay. On your next trip to Las Vegas, consider going two to three hours north on the I-15 to Utah. The best honey comes from roadside stands in St. George and Cedar City. Oh. P.S. The beehive is the state logo on highway signs, patrol cars, and the state flag. That's pretty cool. The police are literally just... Why didn't you bring me back honey? Just a community of bees <laughs> in, in cop form. They're just swarming in the form of a humanoid <laughs> with a uniform on. <laughs> Very loud. Takes, that takes a lot of control. <coughs> yeah. Well, they've been working hard at it. And that comes from Dan, K-I-7-D-A-N. He's got Dan in his call sign. I love so it. So good. So good. Yeah, I mean, I was I was just in you. Why didn't you bring me some honey? I that is your job next time. Leia, we communicated very much on this trip. On that trip, I I called you often. 
You were at an in. airport, not a roadside shop. I as Dan has suggested. <coughs> I was never roadside shop adjacent at any time in my trip. Fine. Fine. All right. The next email is titled Antenna Recommendation Update. And this comes from Josh. Hi, okay. Josh and Leia. I'm sending an email of more information on my antenna question from uh, last week. Yes. So I live in a new construction subdivision, so my trees are still midgets and not uh -oh. tall enough to get a wire up yet. Okay. My yard is very small, 0.22 uh, acres, so not much space. I do have a block fence around the yard that I have thought about trying to attach an end-fed dipole to okay. and uh, try that, but the wall is only four feet off the ground. I also have children with one of them very interested in what I'm doing. He is too and obsessed with my radios. Mm. Good job. He refuses to leave the house unless I have my handheld and he has his disabled Balfang. Ah, that that's is hilarious. So that's awesome. So I would like something that he might not be able to quote unquote help me with. Yeah. At least until he's a little older. I will buy the ARRL antenna book as I'm running out of reading material anyway, working on getting my extra now. Oh, extra. That's I'm still awesome. really new at all this ham radio stuff. I have been a ham less than a year. Oh, good for you. And if you remember his question. I do remember most of it. So the DX commander is not going to be the way to go. Your son's going to probably pull that down or, you know, mm. we don't want him to hurt himself. And, and, you know, I know how kids are. They're going to get out there in the backyard and you're not going to be completely attentive on everything they're doing and something will happen. So DX commander is probably not the way to go. Um, although it's very resilient uh, outside. Yeah. I think NFED is probably a, a likely path for you considering that you have a block wall, it's four feet high. So, you know, not tall, but you can put mounting brackets on to the block wall and you can put up a, a metal mast, you know, and then mm. you can run any kind of wire off of that metal mast and have it go right back to your shack in the form of a wire uh, N-fed antenna. An N-fed half wave would be fine here. There's plenty of different types of mast masts that you can get that are commercially available that are range from very inexpensive to very expensive. And if you want to go cheap, you could always go with a fence top rail. That might be a little odd, um, at least when you start getting to height. You'd probably have to guy it out successfully, you know, effectively so that, you know, mm -hmm. it would be safe. Um, which, you know, now that I think about it, you probably don't want that either because the guidelines the kid might try and climb them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would go with, a, with a, a bolted mounted solution to your block wall and probably like a metal mast that would be freestanding. You could probably get it up to 20 feet or so, I'm guessing. And then you can run that long wire back to your shack or your house, the roof of your house line, and then have the transformer be fed at that point and then come into your ham shack or whatever you got going. That'd be my guess. All to right. To get started. That's a, that's a simple way to get started. Well, that's uh, Josh, KK7MHF. Good name. I hope... Uh... I hope that answered your question. P.S. I really like the movie club. Please oh. keep it. I hate to say it, but I'm about two movies behind, but still enjoy the segment on the podcast. Well, thank you. Man, this this movie yeah, this, this week is going to be, if people are watching along with us, you guys, this is going to be a slog. I understand that it is uh, very challenging to do one movie a week. I think that we realized that last week. Yes. We were like, oh, no. R&R. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, so don't feel bad if you can't keep up. Just just pick up where yeah, we're at. Just yeah. yeah. The next email is titled, whoops, a broken link. And this comes from David. Leia and Josh, I don't know what happened with SoundCloud, but I sent you the MP3 <gasps> version of Sweet Baofeng. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, okay. I'm going to play it right now. Wow. This is fantastic. I feel like I should bungara. You know? Sitting in my bedroom. Bow bang in my hand. Oh, I love this. The little Chinese lady talks to me. The words I don't understand. <laughs> I changed the option. It made me 14. Oh, funny. <laughs> Something I can't understand. I then turn on the Roger B. Which will upset some sad fans. <laughs> Sweet Bow Fang. Sweet Bow Fang. Sweet Bow Fang. Man. Fantastic. That's what a pretty talent. Good. That's really good. Well done, David. Yeah. Thank you for I that. I love it, David. Thank you. I bet all of the fanging also thanks you. That was like a full production. Like that yeah. was multiple audio tracks that he all put together on it. That was fantastic. The little the 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 sitar, like yeah. I didn't expect that. That was that was really like cool. It. That was really cool. Fun. Well, David continues. Leia, this week I have a Cub Scout story for you. Okay. When my son was in Cub Scouts and his pack had their blue and gold banquet, the entertainment was the troop of lion dancers. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Dragon dancers. The banquet was held at the dining hall of a church on a Saturday evening. The scouts and their siblings had a great time with the dancers. At one point, the dragon led a march around the hall and everyone followed. The march of the dragon went outside. It was a cool Texas evening when a wedding party was seen leaving the church's chapel. Oh, that's... 
As the bride and groom were walking down the sidewalk, the dragon and Cub Scouts pursued. When the dragon met up with the bride, he stood as tall as he could and bowed deeply at the bride. It was a beautiful sight and a big surprise for the newly married couple. Oh, that's so cool. What a wonderful blessing. That's so cool. The kids kicked off their first performance for Lion Dance for this season, Uh because this is uh, Chinese New Year season. Yeah. And they performed for what I have to say is probably one of the largest Buddhist organizations. Whoa. That is... uh, also one of the riches they have like many branches but every time i see them mm-hmm. they are all wearing these navy blue suits mm-hmm. that are like stewardess suits and the men are also wearing blue suits okay and they're just very well put together uh we we see them at like when aapis organizations are being recognized Mm -hmm. will you know we tend to see them always very well dressed they put on a chinese new year event Mm -hmm. our lions went up and performed and keep in mind our lions are very young they're nowhere near professional right we have maybe a couple of (coughs) big lions which are run by adults right um but they're not always available either so and this is our first performance, so it's really rusty. And I'm I'm feeling real nervous for them mm-hmm. because it's at the Cerritos Performing Arts Center. Okay. Right. It, it's it's no small deal. Mm-hmm. And they go up, they perform. It's not great. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not great. They're, they just weren't ready. And they have another major performance on Saturday. But uh, at the end... Multiple people from the audience ran up to feed the the lion's red envelopes. The, mm-hmm. Technically, you're supposed to receive the red envelopes through the lion head. Mm-hmm. They had all kind of already taken it off to bow. Mm-hmm. But I mean, some of these kids got like two envelopes. Some of them got three to four. Oh, my goodness. And so when they came off the stage and then they were opening the red envelopes... There was $10 in every single one of those red envelopes. So some of those kids walked away with $40. I was wondering what Edison was talking about when he's like, oh, that's my my lion dance money. I'm like, what? How do you get money from lion dance? You do get, if when you perform for um, Chinese organizations, Mm -hmm. they do do it correctly. Mm -hmm. Because some older lion dance troops, one of their games is they go and dance if it's like a very uh, Chinese or Vietnamese populated area, they just get their troop together and they dance through oh, they, stores and they have, they basically have to feed they them. Guilt them. Oh, because that's, like that's bad because that's, it gives don't do wealth that. to your business. Oh my God. Right? Like good fortune and wealth. And There's lions everywhere. So usually the, um, like when I've seen it in the past, everybody just kind of pulls the money and gives it back to the organization. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, the school didn't ask for the envelopes back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the school doesn't get paid for the performances anyway. Right, right. So, it, yeah. And you know, kids and they're yeah. kids. It's like, come on. And so Edison got like $30. <laughs> And Ben didn't realize how much was in them, and he's a he's a head now after having yeah. been in it for so like long. The, he's the second from the largest head. Yeah. 
And then um, he saw that his tail hadn't received an envelope yet. So there were people who were trying to give him envelopes. And he was like, please give it to my tail Mm -hmm. because, you know, he doesn't have any. He didn't realize there was like $10 a piece in there. But Edison knows. Edison's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. yes, It's not a small troop. No. There's probably 15 kids, 20 kids. Somewhere between there. Yeah. Do you know how much money? That That's is? a lot of money. We don't even feed our lions <laughs> that much. I was, when I was, I was for... really worried there for a second because you were like, "This is one of the wealthiest Buddhist organizations. They have many branches." And I'm like, "So what? The, the envelopes are full of branches? Like, what are we talking about? I mean, Buddhists no. they they shun wealth, right? Well, they they give all their money in this case to the um the missions of this organization. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this this organization does like clean water stuff and uh, yeah. other humanitarian right. aid. Huge. So in poorer countries, water is such a problem. Yeah. yeah. So uh they just have a ton of money and they were like so generous. And, and we were a little bit nervous because half the troops knew. And we were like, do do not expect this amount of money every time you go down. I gotta be honest with you guys. You're ain't, you ain't worth it right now <laughs> because they gonna, just have many branches. They're gonna perform at Festival of Friendship, mm-hmm. and that is put on by an American city. They never get fed. No, <laughs> at this event. So, and I think Ben was given the choice. He's like uh, the kung fu uh, sifu basically said, uh, "You need to pick. You're not gonna be able to do both lion dance and kung fu." And then wow. Ben's like, Sifu is so hard. Man. I will do Kung Fu. <laughs> of course. Good. So I don't even think he wants to do Lion Dance anymore. He wanted to oh, do Oh, he was so frustrated with his tail. He was like. I know. He was so frustrated for so long, like many practices. And then he was so generous at the event to be like, please give it to my tail. I mean, you know, I mean, I get it. Like, I get it. I get why he gets frustrated. But at at the same time, he has like way more skill than a lot of those lions because he's been doing it. Plus, he's in Kung Fu. Right. So he's very body aware. But also a lot of the moves are actually Kung Fu positions. Oh, I didn't know that. So like the roots of lion dance are in Kung Fu. You usually do both together. Like you wouldn't have a lion dance troupe that didn't do kung fu typically okay so anyways that's uh thank you for sharing that story david uh th- such a great blessing but she didn't feed the lion <laughs> i was just <laughs> thinking of, I, I was thinking of the uh of the like a, a mythical the fictional lion dance troop where we don't we don't do kung fu we just we just dance <laughs> that's so I the mean, lions that's just, where we're at right now just all fabulous lions <laughs> You know that the lions come in more colors than red and gold. That's yeah, just white. There's white. There's blue. There's green. There's orange. Like yeah. they and they all symbolize different things. Mm-hmm. So if you have a really big troop that everybody is skilled, you would have a lion of every color. Yeah. So. Anyways, David continues, Josh, since I earned my license, I have been using APRS with my UV5R and my wife's confiscated Galaxy Note 8. Yes. (laughs) I watched the video you made and set it up fairly easily. I can see my station on APRS.fi, so I know my signal does get out. I have noticed, though, 
that where I live, UHF, VHF, is very quiet. I have a feeling this is more due to the limitations of my Baofeng rather than the silence of the hams. My plan is to spend more time on the radio and see if I can stir some people up on local radio. I mean, stirring people up is probably not very good. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna offend some people on radio. That should get some activity out there. Uh, it's likely your antenna. You know, most most of the time, it's almost always antenna. Right, and so update antenna. Well, I mean, we talked about it on the last episode. You know, what what would you do, right? If you just had a handheld, but you wanted the best possible capabilities. We said put an antenna on the apex of your roof where the high point is, where the roof parts come together. Put an antenna outside. In fact, I did a live stream yesterday where I was talking about antenna recommendations, and one of them was like a diamond or comet vertical ground plane antenna that you can put on the side of your house. They're great. And then the advantage of that is if you ever upgrade to like a mobile or something more permanent, you can just plug into that antenna and you're good. You're all set. Awesome. Well, David signs off 73, David, KJ5DXS. And since we're talking about stirring some people up, this week's edition of As Cerritos Turns. Oh. (laughs) I had not realized how much PTSD the two Karens in the city have given me. Okay. Okay. Because yesterday they both decided to try to add back to my neighborhood watch group. (laughs) And I have them blocked. Right. So I can see that they requested in my notifications, but I cannot reject, I can't moderate them at all. Okay. Oh, because they're just blocked. So you get notified that they tried to. Right. Okay. And then I see when one of the other mods or admins has rejected or approved them. Okay. And at that point, I can undo what they've done if they've approved it. Mm-hmm. Okay. No one's going to do that though, right? So right off the bat, the original Karen mm-hmm. is rejected because everybody knows the story. She's like everybody knows how insane Persona she non grata. Yeah. yeah I mean, somebody who ha- whose daughter had like a multiple year restraining order against her, right? Yeah. If your daughter is putting a restraining order out on you, yeah. I think that says a lot. 100% it says a lot. <laughs> I think that says a lot. In addition to... What people have said that they have literally seen her, and this is not me saying that I have seen it or that it is true. I am saying that somebody had told me that she has threatened her husband. Oh, yeah. She yeah. she just threatens everybody. Yeah. It's no, but like with physical harm. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh. Yes. Most of the time, it's always like a legal threat. Yes. I'll sue you. Exactly. You know, yeah. The But they both requested on the same day, just out of the blue. Mm. And it, and I want everybody to know that it has been such smooth sailing, right? Like, yeah. I have had no real stress about this group. The, the mods and admins are doing a great job. Sure. At, you know, people are engaged in this group. There's just no drama, right? Mm-hmm. And in the case where somebody's being particularly rude, this group does have a like courtesy and politeness rule. Love that. And so the don't be a dick rule, as yes. they like to call it. And so if somebody comes at somebody else like kind of rudely, we just like post a right. a screenshot of the rule, like be courteous. Right. Right. Uh and then these things came in mm-hmm. and I 
And I like physically got anxious. Oh, no. And then I felt like, and I was talking to um, the admins of another Cerritos group. And uh, and he and I serve on different committees for the same council member. Okay. So I was talking to him and he was like, oh, yeah, I got an email from Karen number two's husband. Oh. Basically asking why he's, because he removed uh, Kyle. Is that what, it, Kyle, Kevin? From his group, blocked Oh, him. this is the male version of a Karen. Right. The husband of Karen number two. Okay. Okay. And I did not do the same thing because I, I know Karen number two and her husband. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually have an issue with her husband. I haven't so, even heard of or from the husband in years. Yeah, but I think he's totally fine. I don't have a reason to believe. I've been told that well, he's, so, so he's I also told thought, her to get off Facebook. I mean, that's smart. Yeah, right. At this point, yeah. But they have a shared email address. So who knows? That Oh, they're the, one of those couples. Yes. Yeah. So um, so he. Karen and Kyle. Yeah. Exactly. Gmail.com. Exactly. I hate that. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, what are they gearing up for here? Mm-hmm. Because oh, because you you're you're so why, distrustful of it. It's all a scheme. Why suddenly? Uh huh. Are you trying to join back up when you know we're not going to let you do that? Right. Like suddenly. Together. Turn around. <laughs> like yeah. no. Uh. So then I had to change the group description because I realized what sh- they could possibly have on me and this other group uh-huh. is uh. That we're both on committees mm-hmm. that serve for the city. Mm-hmm. And there is a law, a federal law, uh, or it's case law, really, um, that if a public official has a Facebook page in which they are providing information. Yes. Uh, that... That they cannot block constituents. Right. Right. And uh, like specifically if it's officially where they are sharing information oh, related to their role. Correct. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm fine. I'm on a dumb committee. L- sorry. My bad. My committee. You're, you guys are all super great. What we do is not important. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with community it's safety like or neighborhood watch. Yeah. 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 It's not even we're not even coordinating anything. We're just checking to make sure that the the plans that staff has done for events is fine. Oh my gosh, your oversight? Like they presented to us options for the giveaway items or like the flyers if the flyers are okay. Oh my and, gosh, Leah. Yeah. So so it's not even the last meeting we had was less than 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which is fine because it is it, the committee is the right committee for me. Right. So anyways. <laughs> OK. Um, so I change the group description to make very clear that it is volunteer run and not officially affiliated right. with the city. Right. So that it's like. Well, I'm not giving out city information on this, nor does it have anything to do. No, it's a neighborhood watch group. Yeah, exactly. So that's the only thing I could think of. Um, But then. Oh, no. 
So there's something going on, and this may be happening across the country. Mm-hmm. I can only assume that it is because uh, birth rates are have declined for such a long time that now the schools are seeing a loss in enrollment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the areas that are booming are are not having this problem, but I think the static communities are. Right. Well, there's... Uh, s- School consolidations okay. being presented. Yep. They presented the city with like the residents with six different schools that are up for consolidation. And now it's a fight. Okay. Right. And I don't even know why they did it this way. Because if you're like, these are the six schools that are at risk. Are you just trying to find out who's going to fight you the hardest? Right. Like, why didn't I don't you know just... why they're trying to do this. Why are they making the principals street fight each other? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably better than the way that they're doing it. Uh, they're putting together a facilities alignment committee uh-huh. that is basically going to take the fire <laughs> for what the schools, what which schools are going to close. They're going to determine. Oh no! What happened? That's the committee you don't want to be on. Right, and I got a call today. Uh huh. Asking if I wanted to be no on that committee, it doesn't work anyway for my schedule. I can't. I don't have time for anything else. Right. So I'm not taking on this committee. Um, I was asked by my friend, who then later made it clear that I was very low on the on the ask list. <laughs> right. Like he's like, I've asked a lot of people, and I was like, I don't know many people who are going to be willing to Nobody do this. Nobody wants to do this. Right. And uh, there were other people that he had called mm-hmm. on suggestions from people that we know. Um, I was like, if I think of anybody, uh, I, I'll let you know. I'm not turning this down because I don't want to do it. I've mm-hmm. actually, I feel very strongly that this has to be handled properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just cannot fit it in my schedule because, my, right. you know, I have to take my kids to activities and the meetings are on Wednesdays, which uh, every two months I have a, a prior committee commitment. Right. You know? And uh, so we kind of talk about it. And I was like, these are the things I think are important. If you, if this is you want to pass this on to whoever ends up getting appointed. Sure. And he's like, okay. And I wasn't even sure that he really wanted me to take the role. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure why he asked me. Okay. Because, like, why would you tell someone? I was like, I've asked a lot of people before you. <laughs> like, why would you tell me that? Because he's desperate. He's basically saying, I'm desperate. I need someone to do this. Yeah. Please be that person. Right. And, Please take this um, load off. And my... then he was like, you really would be the perfect person for this oh, because yeah. you understand, like, fiscally what's happening sure. and how the realignment needs to happen. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. Can't do it. Uh, but really, No. Right. And then uh, so I guess he had called somebody else. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's called a lot of people. Right. Uh, but he basically told that other person that person's life would be on in danger. It, basically, the essence was we can't guarantee the, your, can't safety guarantee your safety or the safety of your family. What? <laughs> Which is. <laughs> Salesman like, of the you, year. Are you trying to get people to join? Or like, is there another alternative if you can't find someone that you prefer? We're going to let ChatGPT handle this. <laughs> like, why would you tell what someone that? Are you t- I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. 
But if you're trying to recruit somebody, I just... We're going to elect to have you in this committee. <laughs> if you admit you're on this committee, the city will disavow your <laughs> This re this request will self-destruct in 30 seconds. Well, it was strange, too, because initially I was like, when he asked me, I was like, well, what is the time commitment? Right, right. And he was like, it's a big time commitment. Oh, yeah. And I was oh, then I'm out. Right. And How he goes, not be? And then he explains it's one meeting a month. That's not a not big enough. time. That's, that's not, not a enough. big time commitment. But that's not enough. And we he, know that's and not he, enough. And then he continues... Oh, but then there's the town halls, too. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, you cannot pay Am me. Am I behind bulletproof glass <laughs> for the town hall? Yeah. I just... I, th nothing good will come <laughs> of anyone being on that committee. There is no good... That's... And I told him straight up, like, even if there are, uh, there's a lot of people in favor of these school closures. It's costing the school district yes. a ton of money to keep these school up. And they should have been closed years ago. The consolidation, sure. we are probably down to the wire. Okay. Yes. For, for all of this. Yes. They had the demographic study done, I think, twice, knowing during the first demographic study insane. that it needed to happen. And right. then we're like, we're just going to check again. <laughs> like, These numbers can't be right. <laughs> like years later, they checked again. Right. And a lot of the people who are on the school board are still on the school board. Well, it, it's that like state of limbo that we all entered yeah. during the panoramic that it was That's like, true. yeah, we were going to do this back then, but maybe we'll just see how this all blows over. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. so many things that just got, again, the we'll cross that bridge when we get to the, the best sign you have a good manager, right? That is what happened. No. Do you know what happened in this in this instance? No. The manager said, I'm retiring. This is an before... art Gallucci? No, 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 not Art Gallucci. Okay. That's the city manager. Okay. The, the school superintendent was like, I am going to retire before you need to do this. This is Bart Stalucci? No. <laughs> His brother? The cousin? That was a very smart move on her part. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. You know what? I'm just trying to close and these out here. they just transitioned in oh, the new superintendent. Could you imagine just walking right into off this bat. job and you're like, like, and by like the way. She's like a sacrificial lamb Oh, at this yeah. Point. You're, you're <laughs> not going to do well, man. You just. Uh, so there's some rumors. What a rumors, career move. There's some rumors that the, that the is union isn't going to allow, up. you know. Oh, yeah. The, the is, school closures. And I was like, what does the union have to do with it? And they were like, well, you they know. Just, they could just strike. The teachers could just strike until they, they succumb to not which having teachers, any. Which teachers? The whole the whole union is going to strike the over the schools? No. No. Do you understand how unions and strikes work? I understand. But how many teachers are going to get up behind the idea that we're going to continue spending millions of dollars that can go towards their pay raises and pensions, which are fully underfunded right now. Their pensions are underfunded. Yes, but they're going to have to let teachers go to do this. How many teachers are going to be willing to sacrifice 
there's a 30% budget shortfall oh, on not... the pension. They're going to be like, no, that's okay. You keep your job. I'll go on strike so I... that I lose my 30% of my pension. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying Th these are all discussions that will be happening. Like right now, yeah. these are happening right, right now. And so I kind of explained that for those of us who know that these schools need to close, have known for a long time that the schools need to close. Mm -hmm. None of us are going to those town halls to speak up in favor of the closure because it feels like kicking a starving dog. OK, <laughs> like you're going to all of these schools have mobilized all the schools at risk. Well, not all of them. I think four of the six. So maybe that's the answer. <laughs> like, Just popularity contest. But they have now basically it's the time of the town hall for the talent show. <laughs> So, watch as these watch as these schools perform for your enjoyment. The winner of the talent contest will be able to stay open. So, Keep watching for the bathing suit <laughs> section. So four of them have already kind of started working on campaigns to keep their schools. Mm -hmm. And they've established these town halls. I know the solution to this. Right. <laughs> Vex IQ robot competition. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is this is literally like a movie. Like such a serious thing that the, and they're like we it's all coming down to a hot game of pogs. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh these schools have mobilized. They care very much. Sure. Some of these schools have literally a 14 to 1 student-teacher ratio. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. They have less than 300 students where the school has a capacity of like 600, 700 students. I get it. I hear you. That's that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Right? So I I just... I don't know what's going to happen, but you can't go to those town halls and speak against mobilized parents. <laughs> like, no one wins in this game. We can't guarantee your safety. <laughs> you know what is, you're getting a brick through your windshield. Oh, it's awful. So That is a nightmare. That yeah, is a nightmare. Yes. Yeah. No, no. But they knew. Of course. All they can do is preserve all of the existing attendance areas for the schools that don't need to close mm -hmm. or don't need to be consolidated. Mm -hmm. They can probably expand attendance areas into school closure areas. But if they adjust anything else, they're going to have every single parent in the district. I can't wait for a principal to be like, parents of the school, have you thought about buying a child from China? <laughs> To bring him to our class? I, I just... I, it's... Oh, my God. So that's what's going on in the city that right is insane. Now. Wow, that was a really long uh, <laughs> update there, Leia. Glad you saved it to the end of the podcast. It's not, we're not at the end. The next email is titled <laughs> DD and SIDS, and this comes from Jeff. Leia and Josh, not Jason. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to start... By saying, living in Massachusetts, we are littered with Dunkin' Donuts stores. Yeah. Out delivering mail in the winter, I like a hot coffee, and we have two Dunkin' Donuts in town. But I'm in agreement with you. They have bad coffee. 
It is bad it's coffee. It's not good coffee. I go to the mom and pop coffee shop instead. I'd much rather you support a local, you know, local mom and pop than Starbucks Absolutely. or Dunkin' or or Tim Hortons. Sorry, Canada. As the Starbucks in our city rapidly uh, expand into drive throughs Everywhere. Uh the Target that has a Starbucks inside is now getting a drive through Starbucks in the parking lot. No way. That's what's being built. Oh, that's what that is? That's a... Oh, yes. my goodness. So there's going to be a Starbucks ne- in the parking lot of the mm-hmm. Starbucks in the Target? Yes. That's insane. I think there's another one going up by Don Julio's, like the old Don Julio building. At that, mm-hmm. And there is a Starbucks in that plaza already. Oh, they did this with, um, I think they did this near UC Riverside too, where they had a Starbucks and then they built a bigger Starbucks at the same plaza. And then I think they left them both open for a long time <laughs> without Fight it out. the other one. Fight it out. Let's see who, who makes more money. You can't beat the Target uh, Starbucks you though. You're going there to pick up your Target order. Yeah. And then you can just while you're picking up your target order in the app when it's when you say I'm on my way, mm-hmm. it asks, Do you want some Starbucks? <laughs> Such a <laughs> they, smart they got move. me. Yeah. They got me. You you know what? I, I do want I a green tea. But now I do. I need a venti ice cream tea. You and I don't I, I have very ambivalent feelings towards Starbucks, but you've made it so convenient and then you have grilled cheeses that are amazing (laughs) i just i just try like as a crazy person i try and point out to everyone what the logo of starbucks actually is to anyone that will listen to me (laughs) look up the full-size logo for starbucks not the circle with the with the mermaid in it but the zoomed out one not in the circle it's weird (laughs) okay it's weird everybody please go experience it for yourself yeah Trust me. <laughs> well, Jeff continues. I'm also in agreement that SIDS should only have one meaning. Thank you. Yeah, I think we've covered that one. That one's, yeah, we. that's official. Now, on to radio stuff. Last January, when I decided to pursue my general upgrade, I found the HRCC podcast and have enjoyed it ever since. Well, thank Every you. week, better than before. All great. Wow. Thank you. Did you get your general upgrade? No, I just keep listening to the podcast instead of studying. Like, well, you're only on Element G three, so I'm waiting you on you, Enough. I'm waiting on you. You two make it fun and enjoyable. This year, continuing my ham journey, I'm going for my extra. Oh, he got it! So, congratulations. I skipped the general. <laughs> Uh, using the W4EEY Gary Wise course for the ARRL. I just received my DX expedition and waiting for a day when it's warmer outside and the ground isn't frozen to complete the build. Okay. The mast will double f- uh, for my Pactena 20 meter, 40 meter, and fed half wave that I purchased in mid October. Okay. A few weeks after setting that antenna, I receive a a complete 20 meter antenna wire assembly in the mail. They stated that the original might have been cut too short, so they sent out a new wire. Wow. So now that I have a mast, I will test in what way I would use it again on a warmer day. 
10 Cloverfield Lane was great. You kept you guessing if John Goodman was lying crazy or both the whole time. Yes. After watching that movie, my wife and I watched Cloverfield and Cloverfield Paradox. They're working on a fourth Cloverfield movie. I like the movie club and watch the movies when I can. Since this email has gone long, 73, Jeff, KC1HNH. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. And I'm so glad that you are enjoying the movie club along with us. I've seen all the Cloverfields. 10 Cloverfield Lane is the best, then the original, and you can skip the paradox if you're not like a hardcore sci-fi person. And good luck on your extra. Good luck. The next email is titled Voicemail Follow-Up and Merch Idea. Oh. And this is from Curtis. It's a mixed media email. (laughs) Hi, Josh or Jason and Leah. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted, wanted to follow up my voicemail with a few pictures and share a merch idea I had. First attach are two pictures. One shows my very first setup shortly after getting my tech license. I made that little stand for my HT out of some scrap wood from a house project. The second shows my current setup. It's fun to look at side by side. Here's a link to my Reddit post describing my setup and the DIY things I have done. I will drop that link in the show notes, but let me show Josh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Look at that little stand. That's great. Nice. That's the setup now. Oh, that's, hey. That's sweet and clean. Yeah. It's a very yeah. nice setup. I like it. Mm-hmm. So organized. That's uh, not like Josh's ham bench. Am I right? No. <laughs> okay. So now on to my merch idea. I was inspired by your recent episode about how not to be an appliance operator. I thought it would be cool to make some merch that highlights the gateway ham radio DIY project, the dipole. Mm -hmm. For me, and probably many others too, this was the thing that made me realize, oh, hey, I can actually do this. Yes. And it gave me the confidence to explore ham radio DIY and dig deeper into more technical aspects of the hobby. I attached some mock-ups I made. The For the first two, I made sure to include the option of having a boy or girl under the antenna. (laughs) The third one could be a shirt or mug or hat or whatever fits a circle on it. I think these could serve as great conversation starters for new and non-hams, especially. When people think of radio, they usually don't think of whatever the heck that is, to quote my wife. It's a great chance to represent a cool part of the hobby and spread some awareness to folks who may be interested in becoming operators, radio appliance, or otherwise. Anyway, if you like it, feel free to use my designs or change them however you see fit. Fit, I can also send usable graphic files your way. 73, thanks for a great podcast, Curtis. KQ4FCS. I'm going to show Josh the radio operator. Ask me about my dipole. And, and the it, dipole like, I goes like across it. the chest. Uh, yeah. Yes. Look at that. Hey, that like uh, circle logo is really cool. I like that. Yeah, that's really good. All right. And then. Awesome. Thank that's you. That's cool. Hey, if we make it. I mean, you made it so easy. Why wouldn't I make it? Am I right? You I will really get like one for free. Ham radio operator one. That's really yeah, good. I like it. Well, thank you so much, Curtis, for the email and the voicemail. Indeed. Thank you, And Curtis. the very cool shack picks. Shack picks. The next email is titled Ham Recipe for HRCC Cookbook. Okay. Well, thank you. I love ham recipes. Okay. okay. Dear Josh and Leah, I hope you're both doing well. The recent subjects of Pennsylvania Dutch versus Deutsch combined with the HRCC Only Hams Cookbook. 
<laughs> made me think of sharing this recipe. That's funny. You. It was shared to me by a very dear German friend when we watched oh. Dark together last year. Toast Hawaii. There are many recipes and videos online, but the way I make it is as follows. Ingredients, white bread, mayo or butter, okay. sliced deli ham, okay. pineapple rings, Kraft American singles, and maraschino cherries. What is this? I pre-toast my white bread and okay. spread a thin layer of either mayo or butter. Add a slice or two of deli ham, depending on how thick or thin sliced your ham is. Okay. Next, add a pineapple ring. On top of the pineapple ring, place a slice of Kraft American cheese. Okay. Finally, top off with a maraschino cherry in the middle of the pineapple ring. Place your loaded bread slices in the oven under the broiler for a minute or two in order to melt the cheese. Okay. But be careful because the cheese goes from melted to burn very quickly. Ask me how I know. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy your delicious Toast Hawaii snack. I think, and this is uh, this is not me throwing shade. I have seen this uh, son and mother duo on TikTok. Oh, yes. Where the son's name is Josh, and he's obviously doing all the filming and all that. Mm -hmm. And the mom is not great at cooking. That's kind of the draw. But she's... She's, I think she's actually getting better. She's committed to it, though. Like, she's she's a mom. She's making meals. Yes. She cares about her family. And I think that she's made something like this. Not, like, exactly how you make it, but something where there was, like, mayo and, and pineapple rings and cheese. And I don't know that she did the maraschino cherries. I mean, ham goes well with sweets, though. I mean, we have a honey-baked ham, right? That exists for a reason. I When I saw that video of Josh and his mom mm -hmm. with this dish, I didn't think that it sounded good. Okay. But the way that Shannon has kind of laid it out here, mm -hmm. that's just like a Hawaiian sandwich, right? Right, because, okay— Let's let's frame this a little bit differently. It's a ham and cheese sandwich. What what if I took like a King's Hawaiian roll, and I made a miniature version of this? Yeah, that I think that would be. Then delicious. you'd be like, you're, you're you're totally on board, right? So yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's totally I'm gonna fine. try this. Yeah. I'm gonna try this. Why not? All right. I Thank think the maraschino cherry might be. No, I think it'll be great. Part where it's like that's not Good. really Hawaiian, I guess, but but it makes it pretty. But you're not gonna see it because it's inside the sandwich. No, it's a toast. It's like an open face? Yes. Oh. Wait, does the cheese go between the ham I'm gonna and the pineapple? I'm going to make it for you. I think you're really going to like it. So it, it's bread, ham, pineapple, maraschino cherry, and then cheese over the top. No, cheese over the pineapple and then the maraschino cherry on top. Oh, you have to melt the cheese to put the maraschino cherry in the hole? No, I think you just put it all together. But it's an open face melted sandwich kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think this is great. It's interesting how just like missing a couple of things made the other thing not sound good. But then you hear the actual recipe mm -hmm. that she was probably going for. And it's like, oh, that actually does sound good. Wait, did she use saltine crackers instead of oh, no. bread? 
Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. It was very strange. <laughs> but Shannon, I'm going to try this. We're Thank you so much. Swap all that out. We're going to go with some matzah. Shannon continues. I would love to know if you the or Hawaiian any of the Jewish uh, open <laughs> face melt. Then you can't use the ham. <gasps> You're right. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's a brisket. And you can't have the cheese and the meat either. Well, if you're Orthodox, but I mean, it's not kosher. There's kosher cheese. You can't have them together. That is not kosher. It's either cheese or it's meat. You cannot have both. Oh, what? Yes. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Literally separated kitchens in the same kitchen because of this. Mm hmm. That's true. The utensils that touch the dairy cannot touch the meat and vice versa. That's That's orthodox, though. Very orthodox. No, that's kosher. Okay. Do you not remember when we went to the Seder dinner Mm -hmm. and nary a cheese was in sight? (laughs) (laughs) Nary a cheese. Because we were having brisket. Okay. And she couldn't use butter on the brisket. Oh, Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page now. Yeah, I I don't have very much experience with Jewish customs. Aside from the Seder dinner. That one time, yes. Which was a a fantastic experience. Yeah. I I truly love stuff like that. And that's also one of the reasons that I actually don't try to tone down the Chinese-ness when I bring someone like food. Okay. I mean, they see you coming. No, I mean, like the cultural. I wore stuff. a disguise. <laughs> Surprise, Chinese. No, I mean, for for food, I don't. I I like. I think sometimes your dad comes over, and he expects more, uh, like Panda Express, <laughs> and I'm cooking just straight up <laughs> Chinese food. I'm sorry, uh, Lan. Are you sure this is Chinese? <laughs> pretty sure this is supposed to be basically chicken nuggets in a gelatinous sauce. My family's always like giving your dad food to and showing him how to eat it because <laughs> it's stuff he's never had before. It is like it's like you're giving food to a child and you're watching him eat it for the first time. He's like, this is pretty good. Your dad has become such a more adventurous eater, though. So much. Because he realized, he's like, dude, we're not poisoning you. It's all really good. Like, just shut (laughs) up and try it. He thought we were poisoning him? Like, I don't know what he thought. (laughs) But he, like, he was living under that, like, it was that bubble of when he was in the Air Force, I think. And he tried a bunch of wild stuff. But wild is, you know, relative. He he just ate some Thai curry and it was spicy. And he he was like, I'm done. Japanese curry and it was too spicy. And I'm like... That's Dude, not even Japanese spicy. spicy. Like Japanese curry is not spicy at all. So whatever you're saying doesn't make any. Dad, I don't know what you're saying. It doesn't make any sense. But then we took him to that Indian place, and he's like, this "Didn't is- tell him. We didn't tell him. He ate the whole thing. He's like, this is all amazing.'" And I'm like, "Dad, every dish you ate, curry, every curry one powder in every single is one curried. Yes, everything is a curry." He's like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "Yeah, curry." And you know what? Thai curry is so good. Vietnamese curry is good. Like every. But he was in Thailand. He was stationed in Thailand. Could have had cheap, delicious Thai food. This is like your parents with the. Pad Thai, Pad Ki Mao, 
this is your parents with the sea urchins off yes. the island yeah. where they had the realization that that's food. The whole time you could have been having this deliciousness. And he got turned off because of a Japanese curry that he wouldn't try Thai curry I know. or any other kind of curry. It's like, dude, you missed out. on. I'm just going to make curries. your dad nothing but curry the next time he comes. <laughs> this is Japanese curry. This is Vietnamese Every curry. Every different kind of this curry. Is, to give him the... This is Thai curry. <laughs> This is actually British curry. <laughs> we, we don't. This counts, but barely. Wouldn't it be terrible if he asked us to go back to the British curry? Yeah. He's like, I really like the ones that had the really soggy fries. <laughs> and what you call it? A Chinese? <laughs> I don't know how that, like... I don't know how, where, where do the British people find the audacity? I don't know. I'm going to lump the Scottish people no, right you can't, into that. You can't say that it is uh, British. Like, I mean, it is British, but it is Chinese immigrants who catered to the market they were. Oh, in. I get it. But they call it a Chinese. They call everything. Uh, if you go have Indian food, it's uh, it's an Indian. That's cannibalism. No. <laughs> I'm assuming if it was Mexican food, it would be a Mexican. I can't. Yeah. Could you imagine what Mexican food must look like just, in the UK? It depends on how good the immigrants are that just, that ended up there. Just wet fries and a fried fish <laughs> and a tortilla. Man, I, I was going to say something about the tacos in Austin. <laughs> But I just, I love you Texans so much. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Love you guys. Oh. Also, don't come for me. <laughs> Dude. Hey, Tex-Mex is okay, but I'm not calling it like Mexican. <laughs> All right? Everybody calm down with that. All right. Well, uh <laughs> Wait. Y'all right there? Yes. Okay. So Shannon wants to know if anybody has tried this snack. And if you have, did you like it? I made it the first time as sort of a joke, but ended up really liking it. And I guess it is a somewhat popular dish in Germany. Huh. In, you big, don't say. Big on pineapples in Germany. I didn't know that. In other hammy news, I got my special ham radio license plate and finally made my vehicle an official mobile ham shack with the addition of a Yesu FTM 500. Nice. Can't wait to check out all the bells and whistles. Thank you both, Josh and Leia, for the weekly edutainment. Shannon, a.k.a. Socks Girl, a.k.a. KC1OHT. Shannon, thank, thank you, you Shannon. for the edutainment. I really like the recipe. Yeah. I no. bet Edison would love it. I mean, there's and there's all kinds of different little modifications you can do on that too. That would be make really it spicy. Good. Make it spicy. That firecracker salt. This, Put it on everything. <laughs> I was gonna say jalapenos around oh. the maraschino cherry. <laughs> yes, and I'm thinking of like using like a different kind of cheese. That'd be good. No, you gotta stick with the American cheese. I'm just not that big a fan of an American You know, cheese. I don't think the, the kids have ever had American cheese. They definitely have. When? I don't know. A grilled cheese? A like, I don't, grilled cheese? I don't think they've ever unwrapped 
an American. Oh, they themselves, cheese. they've not, you know, they've never sullied their hands over <laughs> an American cheese. But packet. as a kid, my favorite grilled cheeses were made using American cheese. I'm going to get some. I didn't know there was other cheese. Cheese <laughs> in my house came in plastic slices or a big hunk of yellow brick. And that was for white people taco night. Okay. The next email is titled Ham Radio Presentation. And this comes from Rob, long time of the show. Rob, uh, very talented Rob. Yes. Hello, Leah and Josh. I have been invited to give a 30-minute presentation about ham radio to our local Kiwanis Club. Josh, do you have any recommendations of do's or don'ts based on presentations you have done or seen other than directing them to HRCC? (laughs) Well, if you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see that... (laughs) If you go back far enough, I would say don't do that. (laughs) It's really tough. So the do's are obviously get to know your audience in the best way you can. And oftentimes you can't do much other than talk to the person that was asking you to do the talk. Uh-huh. If you know the club, then then you probably know already. But like ask them, hey, whom have you had talk in the past? What have they talked about? Mm-hmm. What is the club interested in? You know, those yeah. are things that will help you decide what you want to talk about. Because usually what happens is the club reaches out and goes, hey, do you want to do a talk? And then you go, yeah, sure. And then they go, great. <laughs> well, Rob says I plan on taking a few radios, a wire antenna, and oh, a tape measure okay. Yagi for cool. show and tell. Yeah, so so this is one of those things. These could be guys that are like hardcore repeater operators, and that's all they do. It's a Kiwanis club. Oh, so they don't have any. Oh, so this is okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I totally I totally misjudged uh, this. Then, so these are people that don't understand radio at all. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when you're walking into that room. Now, so I take back what I was going to say. Sorry, I'm thinking I'm doing a talk tomorrow, and it's for a ham club. Mm. And one of my big things is like you know gauge the gauge the audience. So in that case, you kind of have to go in thinking that they have no concept of what you're talking about. Mm, you should go in with a recording of a conversation on a repeater. You, you might want that, or have somebody that would be willing to hop on. Yeah. And do a, a live demonstration of of actually using the radio. What if mm-hmm. you could because Kiwanis is a service club. What if you could get audio mm-hmm. from a ham radio distress call okay. where the person was saved? And, or, or you could have like an article that you bring up on a slide and you talk yeah. about how ham radio helped in this particular situation. But you use because you have to gear towards your audience. Right. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but you, you kind of have to give them some kind of 30,000 foot level of what's going on here. Like yeah. you're going to have to different. So what do they understand? Like, know, know that everybody understands what a phone is. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to explain the difference between a radio and a phone. Why is radio more effective than a phone? Mm-hmm. Dot, dot, dot. You know, that kind of thing. And then explain, oh, this is RF only. It's radio to radio communication. You can't do this with your phone. You know, that kind of thing, right? And then start spicing in the, we use this for fun and communication, but it also has immediate, you know, importance to the community and the service, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I would definitely tie in because it's a service organization, um, the different ways that volunteer emergency groups use it. Uh, I would talk about CERT and ARIES, mm-hmm. and I would talk about, like, if you 
if your local or their local uh, law enforcement agency has a ham radio set up, which a lot of them do, mm-hmm. uh, you can talk about, you know, how they use it and then talk about uh, how it's used at something like a marathon or events, you know? I used a, uh, I did a, what was it? <coughs> I did a talk at a YMCA. Mm-hmm. And it was just a bunch of kids, right? This is a different audience. But what I did was I took out my phone and I took a picture of everybody in the audience. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, now I'm going to connect my radio to my phone and Mm -hmm. I'm going to use this application to send that image over the air to this other radio, Mm -hmm. which I had my laptop set up and it was doing SSTV. Mm -hmm. And so it's literally, you can, I'm holding up the radio, the radio's transmitting and it's making all this noise because I had a speaker hooked up and then you're literally watching it print out the image. Mm -hmm. And the kids are like, Wow, and I had already done the explanation that like mobile phones can't talk to each other. Right. So this is literally me talking to this radio across the room, and we could take that radio and we could move it to the other side of town, and it would still have that capability kind of thing. Right. And I'm like, just think of like all the messages you could send back and forth that your parents wouldn't know about. You know, I, I was joking, but you know, that kind of thing, right? Right. As a way of demonstrating it. Most of the time, demonstrations are going to be the best for people who don't mm-hmm. understand because you could just keep repeating the same thing over and over on a slide, but they're not going to like grasp it yeah. like a demonstration provides. Absolutely. And really, in the beginning of the presentation, you've got to have the hook of why this is relevant to them for mm-hmm. them to kind of stay engaged and mm-hmm. and learn more about it. Yeah, so you've got to you've got to give them a baseline. You got to do a demonstration based off of what you now have told them, mm-hmm. and then you have to apply it to why it might be important to them. Thirty so minutes service. is really short too. Service I feel like. really short, and then you have to like leave them with what they can learn more about. And so that's when you mention my channel. No, I'm just kidding. Ham Radio Crash Course on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Rob continues, Leia, would you recommend my wearing a Resonate Radiate Propagate t-shirt or would that be a total dork move in front of business professionals? No, totally wear that. Just throw a blazer on over yeah. it. Business. That's like boom service dog. <laughs> boom service dog. <laughs> Put a vest on the dog. Boom service dog. Put a vest on a ferret. Boom service ferret. Yep. <laughs> Somebody was telling me that, uh, that, they were having a hard time uh, buying a ferret or something like they don't sell They're illegal. ferrets to minors at PetSmart. And I was like, they don't they sell, can't ferrets sell at them all. at all. They're illegal. There's no ferret. You have to PetSmart. go to Nevada to get a Oh, maybe a it was outside of state. Okay. No, 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 no. She was in state. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, she was a, a city over. <laughs> now, that's a chinchilla. It's <laughs> not a ferret. And so I'm like, yeah, you can't you can't buy a ferret. You just put you're like, well, okay, so this is what we do. We sell you the chinchilla, and then you put like a pasta roller on the counter. <laughs> this is the ferretizer. We run the chinchilla through the ferretizer. It elongates. But you can that. buy ferret food. See, that's Trixie. <laughs> that's, could you buy the ferret food and get the ferret for you're free? You're giving me mis- mixed messages, yes. government. <laughs> <laughs> if I buy enough of this food. <laughs> do I get a ferret? How do I tr- attract the ferret? 
All right. Well, Rob signs up. I don't even know why people own ferrets. And they steal your stuff and replace it with other things. Like, why would you want a pet in your house that will take your keys and put it somewhere else? (laughs) That's my worst nightmare. If if Charlotte, if Chloe did that, yeah. I'd be like, Chloe, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to go to another Corgi home. <laughs> I can't. My life's hard enough already. I misplaced my own things. <laughs> because I'm either going to have to cage you because I cannot be trusted to know where my keys are. <laughs> Crazy. Is that 73s from Rob, K5DCQ. And now it's time. It's the final email. This is titled, I'm a collector of hobbies, and Josh, you got me. Nice. (laughs) Well, if you collect hobbies, it doesn't sound like you were that hard of a target. And this comes from Andrew. (laughs) Hello, you wonderful pork transceiver enthusiast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I like it. Josh, you got into ham radio with one of the modern rogue videos you did. Uh, and that was, I guess, you got me into ham radio with one of the modern rogue videos oh, you nice. did. And that was just over a year ago. Now, after hearing uh, you talk about fountain pens and your love for them, I decided to buy one and give it a shot. Oh, my God. you! <laughs> I can't give you a hobby. Like, I can't lose. <laughs> I got it. Have you heard of metal detecting? <laughs> oh, no. I got into it having no idea I was getting it for being that I hate writing. Oh, I have yeah. never kept a journal and keep my to-do list in my head, which if you ask me, never fails. If you ask my wife, she'll give you a different answer. Mm-hmm. That's just not not writing down your to-do list. is It's taxing your brain. I want you to know that in a way that you don't even realize is happening. If you write it down, it gives your brain pressure relief. You know, just an idea, Andrew. Interesting. So the pen arrived today, a pilot metropolitan in black, and I started just writing random words down to check it out. Mm -hmm. Wow, I get it. About 10 minutes after opening it, I started writing a love letter to give to my wife. Wow. And I'm working on making a good looking signature. That is so romantic. Fountain pens are also easier to write with. They require much less pressure. Than a ballpoint pen, they're just... Next poetry, okay? Mm. Yeah. About ham radio. I'm trying to come up with things to write down just to use it, something I never would have done just 24 hours earlier. Andrew, I suggest a to-do list. (laughs) That's something you could write down. Okay, I recommend you go get a Hobonichi Weeks planner and start using that. Oh, my gosh. And the, the paper is perfect for the fountain pen. Thank you, Josh, for adding another hobby to my collection of many other hobbies. For the movie club, Twister is a 10 out of 10 in every category. Best movie of all time, full stop. Wow. Well, strong feelings about Twister. This doesn't take top. If this doesn't take top rank, I will be very sad. I am very sorry. The scoring system is not going to, it was not kind in certain areas to Twister because it's, it's not really a preparedness movie. It's it's more of a disaster action movie. Yeah. There are zero plot holes. Because Every... there's, there's not much plot. <laughs> Every character is great. And They're there is great. a radio in it. There are I, many radios. I think it is also Dustin Hoffman's greatest performance. 
And he said in an interview that he it was his favorite movie to do. I am guessing Dustin Hoffman's in it. Is that is that right? Who is what? Dustin Hoffman in that movie? It, it was he. Is he in the weather room? No, wait, what? Leah's literally looking it up because I closed my laptop. Oh, you're talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, it is a big departure from the types of roles that Philip. Could you well, imagine? He Dustin plays Hoffman? a lot of bummers, so <laughs> I understand that this was probably a very fun role for him. Philip Seymour Hoffman was like haunted by the roles that he played. Like the dude had to undergo therapies. Okay, this is a extreme departure from what he normally plays. He plays like Spicoli of of storm watching. <laughs> <laughs> I now own a Ram truck because of that movie. It's no a newer way. one, but still a Ram. Big Twister fan, if you couldn't tell. Wow. Anyway, 73, Andrew, K0, K, uh, I'm sorry, N0, KBB. There are cool vehicles, like Helen Hunt's uh, first truck, which I think is a Jeep, the one that gets damaged. And then mm -hmm. the, the, the Ram is like, of course, like super cool. And it's not all like, well, I guess at the time it was new. The Ram truck was new, but... I think the Suburbans were old style that the Wesley crew was rocking around in. And the motorhome that they were running around in, that motorhome, those motorhomes are super cool. Those things are like, if you can get one of those and get them all like reworked, they're really sweet. All right. All right. Man. Yeah. Um. Then I apologize uh, for our ranking. <laughs> I don't think you're going to like it very much. It's second place. Second place, that's good. I mean, come on. 10 Cloverfield Lane as far as preparedness goes. That's hard to beat. You Come on. That's true. That's just, I mean, again, the, the scoring system was not made for Twister. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's it? That's it. All right. Well, everyone, we have a lot of fun making the podcast. And the fact you listen, you know what? I forgot something, Leah. We both forgot something, and I'm so glad that we're doing this at the end because I think the secret word should just be Twister. <laughs> just Twister? Yeah. That's it. 73. 73. Gotcha!